0: Alright, here we go. It is FarzCast. Welcome in, everyone. My name is Farzine Vasugi, and I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the very first episode of FarzCast. Uh, some of you guys may have listened to me before on some of my previous podcasts for a very long time. For 11 of 13 seasons, I hosted the Chief Zone podcast. I started that in 2007. Yes, in 2007, there was podcasting back then. I was only 16 years old. When I started that podcast, hosted that for a very long time, but that came to an end in February. I also hosted an MMA podcast called The Cage Zone. I've also done a few other podcasts here and there online, and I've all done some talk radio in Kansas City and in Lawrence. So a lot of you guys are probably familiar for a lot of my Chief stuff or Kansas City stuff that I've done uh, previously. I've subscribed to this podcast before when it was The Chief Zone, and now it's changed to Forest Cast. So I appreciate you guys listening to this episode of ForestCast, the, the inaugural episode of Forest Cast. Uh, I'll get into this podcast a little bit and uh, what it's going to be about. But basically, long story short, I, uh, for those maybe confused by this, because a lot of you guys who are subscribed to uh, this podcast feed, it was previously the zone, And as I did mention on the last few episodes of my Chiefs podcast, that this podcast feed would change and this would become the new podcast Forest Cast. So uh, able to do that now, and that is why you're hearing this episode, and I understand not everyone may want to listen to it, uh, maybe not interested in it, and, and just want the Chiefs content, and we'll actually get into the Chiefs a bit today. Uh, like I said, a couple of guests uh, will we'll come on, I'll get into that a little later, but uh, this is going to be a different podcast, and if you want to give it a chance, uh, they certainly understandable, maybe some episodes will... Uh, be more uh, interesting than others and I certainly understand that as well but for those confused that's what's going on with this podcast feed uh, rather than starting a completely new, new one I decided just to change this uh, keep this podcast feed and just change it to the forest cast so that's the backstory there if you're wondering why you're getting a uh, download from a podcast you never su- subscribe to well that is why and again you know uh, hopefully people give it a chance and can give it a couple episodes if not hey certainly understandable you're allowed to do that as well. Uh, A lot has happened in the world since I've last done a podcast. Um, Things have been crazy. Everyone is just going nuts. Uh, All kinds of craziness has happened in our world. I mean, some might argue very little has happened because of what the pandemic has (laughs) has done to our world today. Uh, So either or, uh, take what you will. But yeah, uh hope everyone is staying safe, uh, you know, uh, do what you got to do to uh, keep yourself healthy, uh, avoid the, the virus, whatever's going on. Uh, it has really just been surreal to think that something like the coronavirus uh, would stop all and everything. I mean, you think of sports, uh, production for movies, television shows, the movie theater industry, bars, restaurants sporting events uh I, I mean even political debates have all been postponed here because people are not sure uh you know what to do uh i think by now people have kind of picked up on it i know there are the the numbers are rising back up again uh but man uh it, it is just weird to think that something like this has really uh forced everything to be paused i know in other parts of the country Uh, things are picking back up. You're seeing sporting events elsewhere. You have seen some sporting events here. You're seeing NASCAR. You're seeing UFC fights. You're seeing boxing events in the United States. But uh, the NBA, NHL picking back up, hopefully in a month, hopefully soon. But there's some concern there. And people are not sure if those will successfully start and finish. Uh, I posted on Saturday morning that the Chiefs-Texans kickoff game is 75 days away and a lot of my followers on facebook were saying oh maybe probably not and i was like wow uh you you know here's my thing on this and i'm no infectious disease expert i'm no uh i'm no health expert on any of this stuff i do always carry a bottle of, of those pocket sanitizers with me wherever i go uh i mean i've always tried to keep clean and whatnot but for the longest time, I've been saying, if by football season, this is still an issue. I mean, we something went terribly wrong. Either we aren't doing what we're suggested to do. Meanwhile, you're seeing this go down in other countries. Uh, it's picking back up, but hopefully it goes down soon. I mean, that's really all I can say. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to get into uh, major details of a topic that I don't know a lot about. I know even for... The experts, I think they still have some questions and they're start, still trying to do uh, their due diligence on this subject because it is kind of a weird virus, you know, how how do you get it and what are the symptoms? And, and you know, some people don't even have the symptoms and sell the virus, so it's a really weird thing. But hopefully you guys have been staying safe, uh, doing what you need to do to... Uh, avoid the virus and stay healthy. In all of this, I know social injustice was another one that came up, and I'll just say this real quick. I'm not going to get you know too big into that. I think the problem is people just want to debate things and not want to discuss a solution. If we put the same amount of energy in trying to find a path to, to solutions as we do in these debates, man, we're going to make a lot of progress. I mean, is that a political thing to say? Is that a controversial thing to say? Is that is that a, a disagreeable opinion? I, I, don't, I don't think so. But some people do. So there's that. Uh, again, like I said, I know it's been craziness for the past, what, five months? Uh, and it's just surreal to think that uh, so many things in our daily lives have just been put on hold because of an event like this. I mean, I, I know people aren't able to see their family members that live you know, several hours away uh, because either they don't want to get them sick uh, because they may be at risk or they're they're just too nervous to travel right now. I'm the same way, man. Uh, I mean, a lot of people who know me personally know I, I love Las Vegas. Uh, we were supposed to actually be there for my brother's birthday in March. Uh, did not end up happening. Uh, my family and I, we were actually going to be there for a convention for work, and it just so happened that my brother's uh, birthday was that weekend, and uh, yeah, they uh, niched that uh, the convention got canceled, and at that point it was like, are we really going to travel <laughs> during a time like this? So that did not happen. I'm hoping to go to Vegas at the end of July and maybe again uh, in September, uh, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too optimistic of, uh, of that happening, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, as for this podcast, a lot of you guys are wondering, I talked about this on my previous podcast, but for those who maybe have not listened to me before, or maybe you guys have forgot uh, what this podcast uh, is about, well, basically, I mean, we're going to talk all kinds of things, sports, news, uh, the entertainment industry, music, movies, uh, anything and everything uh, on this podcast. Uh, so for example, on this episode today, uh, my guests are going to be uh, musician Morgan Ganim. is going to be joining me on this uh, on this episode, the, the very first guest of fars And then we're also going to talk to Matt Derrick. He is a Chiefs writer for ChiefsDigest.com. Also came out with the book, At Last. It's the commemorative uh, special uh, uh, Super Bowl collectible for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And one thing I was so impressed with uh, with Matt is that he published and released that book in less than a week after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So uh, I want to get into that with him and also talk about, you know, what the hell is going to happen with football? Uh, we're less than 75 days away from kicking off the season. And how the hell are they going to do training camp? How the hell will the media... Have access to players for interviews and do stories and even when we do return to normalcy, whenever that may be, is this something, you know, in terms of media access that we may actually make this a permanent thing moving forward? A lot of interesting topics I want to get into with Matt Derrick, so we're going to talk to him as well. Very excited to have these two guests on. I have not actually talked to Matt in a very long time, Uh, so I'm very excited, looking forward to catching up with him and uh just chatting with him on this podcast as for future episodes of the podcast well what can you expect on this podcast like i said i'm bringing on a musician and a journalist slash author on this podcast so obviously you're seeing a lot of variety i think one thing that i uh, want people to know and you'll catch on this if you listen to the entire episode if you listen to both interviews is that you're gonna learn a lot about what these people do uh Learn little, a little, little bit about them personally, but also what they do behind the scenes. So, for example, Morgan Ginnum, you know, what does he go through uh, as a musician? And what's he dealing with now personally, considering, you know, he's not able to do a concert as a musician? Uh, I mean, that's the, the bulk of what he does is perform live music in front of people. And that is not available at the moment, uh, obviously, uh, for Matt Derrick, you know. Uh, How is he handling uh, this pandemic as a journalist? And what does a journalist go through normally? And 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 you're going to hear him talk about that. And I think people are going to be surprised what a sports writer, especially like an NFL writer, what they do on the day of an NFL game. I think you guys are going to be a little bit surprised. People think it's just, you know, showing up to the game, interviewing players, getting the best quotes and writing an article. Sure, that's the bulk of it, but that's not the only part. There are a lot of, there's a lot of legwork that goes behind doing all of that. Those are the the kinds of things we'll talk about on this podcast. As for some of the future guests, I've talked to some people who are really interested in coming on this podcast. If you guys remember on my Chiefs podcast, I had Stu Stone on. Stu's a hilarious guy. Everyone loves Stu. Um, uh, This is a guy who's done so many things in his career uh, in entertainment. He uh, was a child voice actor. Uh, Not just a voice actor, but also in front of the camera. Uh, He's done movie directing. He's uh, done a couple of rap albums. One with Jamie Kennedy, who some of you guys may be familiar with. Uh, He has done professional wrestling uh, more as a manager and not the actual in-ring competitor. I mean, Stu has done so many things. Uh, in uh, entertainment, and now his big focus is directing movies, he had a really big uh, documentary that came out, Jack of All Trades, it was on Netflix for a year, I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore, but I know it's on uh, Apple TV, which used to be called iTunes, I guess some still call it iTunes, Uh, but still, he agreed, uh, he'd be willing to come on this podcast at some point uh, later this year, Uh, just some other athletes, journalists, people in the entertainment industry, such as you know, a musician like Morgan Ganim or uh, maybe other journalists uh, that I know of can come on here, and we'll just talk all things, kind of like a Joe Rogan-style podcast or a, a Burt Kreischer kind of podcast, if you guys have listened to their podcast, this is kind of what this will be a little bit like, uh, but kind of give you guys an understanding of what they do, and hopefully you guys can take something you've never learned before from each of these podcasts, and I will say some of these podcasts might be more interesting than others to some people, and that's certainly understandable as well. One of the big podcasts I'm looking forward to, and it won't be for a while, but I've talked to my friend Mary Beth. Uh, You guys probably have no idea who she is, and understandably, I mean, she's not a a famous person by all means, but uh, I've talked about my weight loss on my podcast before as well as on social media, and I've had so many people Message me because I do have my uh, my before and after uh, weight loss photo uh, pinned on my Facebook page as my as my top pinned post, and I've had a lot of people you know over the years comment on that, uh, congratulate me, but also you know either they comment on that post or they message me asking questions, asking you know uh, what's the secret or what do you do, what can I do? Uh, one of the things I'm excited to do with Mary Beth, uh, she's the one who helped me lose. So much of my weight, uh, she built a program for me and really did kick my ass, but uh certainly got me into shape too. Uh she's gonna be coming on the podcast, and we haven't really decided on an exact time yet. I have kind of an idea of when, and I think that specific time is key because of people's health at that specific time. So we'll get into that with her. Uh but she's she agreed to come on the podcast and talk about weight loss on here. Uh, And I think that's something that a lot of people would be willing to do. Uh, People don't know this, but everyone is capable of being in better shape. I'd say, I know I just said everyone, but maybe close to everybody. I mean, there are some people who are in tip-top shape, you know, great body, great tone, and very minimal fat. Hey, good on them, but not everyone's that way. And a lot of people have room for improvement. So uh, that'll be a really cool thing to discuss with Mary Beth when she does come on the podcast. So a lot of other people I know uh, that I'll be bringing on here other podcasters who uh, I've interacted with. I've been a guest on their podcast or maybe they've been a guest on my podcast before uh, on previous podcasts that I've done. So uh, that's what you can expect as far as how often this podcast uh, my goal is at least once or twice a month, uh, maybe if there are a lot of things to discuss and I'm able to get a lot of guests, maybe three times a month, but it's not something I, I do too common. And I know a lot of people will ask, why do this podcast if you don't want to do the other podcast or if you say you don't have time for the other podcast, the, the Chiefs podcast? I think that's a fair question. The answer to that is, man, uh, it, it's been getting to a point in my life where there is a lot going on. I'm definitely uh, a lot more busier now than I was before. And I definitely made the Chiefs podcast a priority and wanted to do it. Here's my thing, man. Well, If I do something, I've got to do it right, and I've got to do a good job of it. I can't just do it and say, all right, here's a product. And I will say the last year of the Chiefs podcast, quality-wise, not the best. Some, some disagree. I, I mean, I've come across people who, uh, during the last season, I I came across some listeners in person who have said, hey man, I love your podcast, love what you do, Uh, I still listen to it, which which is great to hear, I love hearing that, but in my opinion, personally, I know the last year of the podcast wasn't the best, that's why I brought on Zach and DJ as co-hosts, Hey, I forgot to mention, Zach and DJ will definitely do a Chiefs reunion, uh, Podcast, A Chiefs Zone reunion, I should say, on this episode. I've talked to both of them about it, and they're willing to come on and do that at some point. Uh, We'll we'll definitely do it this summer before the uh, football season, hopefully, knock-knock, kicks off before the year gets underway, but nonetheless... uh, uh, for those wondering, you know, why I stopped doing that, it is a time sensitive podcast. And what I mean by that is, you know, you got to do a podcast at some point in the middle of the week. That way people can listen to your preview podcast or recap the game. I was doing the podcast twice a, uh, a week, and that was really becoming too much on me with my schedule and everything I was doing. So I started doing it once a week, and then I decided, you know, I hope the Chiefs won a Super Bowl, but if not, I'm cutting the cord and saying this is the last time I'm doing the podcast. Thankfully, they won the podcast, so we got to go out in style. But yeah, man, 11 of 13 years. It was also one of those things where it's like, you know, it's just time to 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 drop it. Uh, I, I've done it for so long. I've covered some of the worst seasons and some of the best seasons on the podcast. Uh, and have had so many great guests. Uh, a couple of Pro Football Hall of Famers, even. Uh, which uh, was just awesome to do. Uh, a lot of great things on the podcast. And I'm, I'm very proud of it and everything I've done. It's just... With so much going on in my life, both uh, professionally and personally, it's just one of those things that I had to uh, put aside because I was uh, putting a lot more effort in those things and did not have as much time for the Chiefs one. And like I said, the Chiefs one is more time-sensitive, whereas this one, you know, it's not something I have to do each week. It's not like there's an upcoming game that I have to, you know, publish on by by Thursday. That way, everyone can have a couple of days to listen to it before the game. This is going to be a more lenient, more laid-back podcast and... Uh, Like I said, uh, you know, there's not going to be an exact date for when each podcast will come out. Like I said, my goal is once or twice a month, so that is what you can look forward to. So that's what this podcast is going to be about, and I hope you guys will uh, appreciate that, Uh, look forward to some of the episodes. Like I said, some episodes may be more interesting than others for you, and that's certainly okay as well. Like I said, Morgan Ganim is coming up. We're going to talk to him first, and then we will talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest Dot com. And then to wrap up, a very special anniversary uh, that's important to me. I'll get into that at the end of the podcast. Alright, our very first guest on Farscast. It's only fitting that he is the first guest. Uh, on, on the podcast. He was the last guest on my previous podcast, The Chief Zone, and he is joining me here on Forest Cast. He is a musician. I've known this guy for, gosh, I mean, you and I, we've, we've talked for a long time, 9, 10 years. His name is Morgan Ganim. He is a regional musician. Uh, if you live in the Oklahoma, in the state of Oklahoma, you've heard of this guy if you pay attention to regional, uh, music, uh, events. And, uh, this guy's in a lot of great work. Definitely need to follow him on social media. Just type Morgan Ganim anywhere, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, check out his website. Uh, Morgan Ganim joining us here on FARC's cast. Morgan, how are you, man? Hey man, I am honored to be on and to
1: be the first guest. This is really cool. Thank you for, uh, having me on here.
0: No, cool. I appreciate it. you. You, you've been so kind to of me over the years. Um, uh you by the way I didn't mention this in the last segment in our introduction but you uh you made the theme song for this podcast which was awesome I still remember hearing like the first five seconds I'm like yep this is it I, I still I listened to the rest of it but I was like yeah this is good I, I know that's this cool is good. yeah um,
1: yeah no I was I was happy to be able to help you out with that um, yeah I'm pretty good with stuff you know like if you give me kind of a concept of what you want and maybe some examples I'm pretty good at replicating things with with a, like your own kind of personal twist so I think it turned out pretty cool
0: I was yeah. proud of it so I know yeah. I love it man simple, uh, but you know it's fun yeah well I was gonna say I mean you let me use uh your ch- uh, chief song chop it up which they still play occasionally at uh, at Arrowhead uh, usually during the yeah. pregame. uh and I did host an MMA podcast for a little bit and I did use your song Maximus for that so yeah uh, you, you've been so kind to of me letting me use uh your music because I mean, podcasting now is such a big deal, and you never know, you know, what you're allowed and not allowed to use, and uh, you've been so kind of me, so I appreciate you and everything you have allowed. Um, oh, you're welcome, man. I'm, I'm
1: glad to help you out. You know, like you said, we've known each other a long time, and anything I can do to help you, I'm down, and I know you, you're always supporting what I do, too, so that's really cool. I appreciate
0: you, it. Yeah, I definitely want to get into um, the stuff you're doing right now. I know you just had a new single uh, that came out. We'll get into that. Do you remember yeah. the first time I tried to get you on the podcast?
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know. Did it work
0: out or did it not? I don't remember. Well, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. I still remember. Reaching, I can't remember how I found you on Facebook or what. I don't remember exactly.
1: I don't remember uh,
0: either. It was well,
1: probably around the time my band Sounds was coming out with music,
0: wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. For those who don't know, Morgan came out with this really cool Chief song, uh, Chop It Up. And that did inspire a lot of other musicians to come up with like a Chiefs chop song but you were really the first one to come up with that kind of thing right yeah like, this, this is kind of cool i need to reach out to this guy and, and and see if he can if he wants to come on and you said you would be willing to and we agreed on a time and all yeah. and i kept calling you on my phone i'm like man this guy is not answering i don't know if he just doesn't <laughs> like me or what, what what happened and i think you called me like an hour later apologizing you're like man i'm oh, so sorry funny. do you remember that
1: i don't remember that but that's really funny i don't <laughs> doubt it i uh I have trouble delegating time sometimes, you know, but I I try to be a little bit better about it. I answer your phone calls now, don't I? Yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of had to reschedule on this whole thing, but it was because we were out of town. No, it's all good. I I actually ended up staying an extra day out of town. So, but uh, I definitely wanted to do it. My girlfriend was like, no, you need to like get it together. Like Farzine's cool. Like she doesn't know you, but she knows what I've told her of you and how you support what I do and, we have good
0: talks and stuff so she's like you need to you know
1: like pinpoint a time and just do it i'm like yeah you're right i, I, I
0: was going to bring this up but i'll, I'll mention it now cuz you're a huge chiefs fan obviously oh, yeah. uh, i saw your um your video when the chiefs won not the super get bowl not my,
1: my hair away too much but
0: oh there you go yeah I your chiefs hat. You, you've got that for those who go. uh for those not uh, yeah. uh, we're going to put some video uh, portions on on my youtube page but for those who Aren't able to see Morgan had his hat backwards, turned around. Oh yeah, the- I forget. Yeah, I'm not everybody's gonna gonna be able to see, but yeah, I got my Chiefs no. That's hat okay. Right yeah, oh, you yeah. got your Chiefs hat on. That's a really cool design, by the way. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I think we got it in Kansas City when we went to the game. So I see. I'm not a big fan of like just like the original logo. Like like I've got this yeah. black Chiefs hat, and I know black is such a forbidden color if you're a Chiefs fan, but it looks <laughs> cool. I like it, but. Um, yeah. No, what I was going to say is uh, uh, the night of the Super Bowl when the Chiefs won, I saw your video where you and your parents, you guys are all celebrating, hugging and kissing each other, and your (laughs) girlfriend just (laughs) kind of in the corner, like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, she loves me and she supports what I, you know, love,
1: but she doesn't care about sports and stuff like that. It's just not her thing. But, like I say, she was there and she was gracious enough to hang around and and be a part of it and it was just really funny and kind of cute because we're all like screaming because we just won it was finalized it was over (laughs) we're the champs you know and she's just sitting there literally like yawning and she didn't (laughs) know i was filming either so she wasn't putting on this was not for the camera you know but she she supports what i do and and what i love so it was cool but it was just really funny to watch
0: You just gotta, you just gotta give like the background on that. You know, uh, this is a team that has been suffering for 50 damn long (laughs) years. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Okay. I can understand why, you know, everyone's freaking out in the living room. No. Um, we might be reigning champions for a long time and not because we're good, but I don't know if we're going to have a season. I just put it. it, it, We're you and I recording this on Saturday afternoon this morning. I uh, posted on Facebook. I, I said, um, I said that we're 75 days away from kickoff and because the Chiefs are the reigning champs, yeah. they've got the first game and I wrote 75 days Chiefs Texans and all the comments are like, "Uh, maybe." I'm like, "Wow, usually I get killed for being pessimistic."
1: Oh, I know, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen exactly. I want to see my Chiefs play, but I'd be okay with us being
0: reigning ch- uh, champs for 2 years. So <laughs> <laughs> How do you how do you feel about all this with the with the virus and everything? It's just I mean, it has really slowed down everything. Like entertainment, everything. You're, you're in the entertainment industry as as a musician. It's like yeah. you can't go out there and, and, and do your job yeah, at, right now.
1: It's weird, man. Uh, I just won <coughs> DJ of the Year here in Tulsa, and that's really cool. And I was Congratulations that, on I that, say, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. But at the same time, it was kind of like a weird time, you know, because I can't go out and celebrate with anybody or throw a show or – we're not doing any parties or anything right now, you know, like um, we're kind of looking into the future, you know, 2021, I've got some stuff booked, but it's just weird, man. You know, like it's too dangerous to be in a big area with too
0: many people for too long. You know, I don't know what what the right answer is. I've seen some musicians just postpone their, uh, their tours. Uh, There are a couple of bands that, you know, unfortunately, and they're, you know, statements they say look we've come to the tough decision to just cancel everything yeah uh what 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 do you make of you know as a musician how to handle scheduled concerts right now i don't know i mean
1: again you know moving them to 2021 is a possibility that's what i did with some of ours because like april was gonna be crazy good for me we had back-to-back shows like literally one after the next you know and uh we ended up having to cancel or move them, you know? So, uh, but a lot of people are doing this. I don't know if you've seen this, but they're doing the, like the drive up concert thing, like at a, um, you know, outdoor movie theater style.
0: I've seen a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like people are driving up in their cars. There's a guy I follow. He goes by Kyle It's just, his name's Kyle. Um, he's kind of a rapper singer, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but he just did a concert like that and people just drove up in their cars and parked as if they were going to like watch a movie, you know, like an outdoor movie theater type thing. But they had the stage out there instead and everybody just stays in their cars unless they have to get out momentarily, you know, and they flash their lights and everything. And it's just kind (laughs) of weird. I guess they have it coming through the speakers in their cars too. Yeah. Through the radio. So, I mean, there's alternatives, you know, but, people just find a different ways. streaming has been huge right now you know i did oh, yeah. a uh, a streaming online concert that uh, we raised some money for music cares over uh over two thousand dollars so that was kind of neat just something i decided sure. to put it together kind of last minute but um it was fun for us because we got to do all the production ourselves and and uh kind of entertain everybody with different friends of mine and stuff that put in their time to sing a song or do do something to entertain the crowd so yeah there's alternatives man but it's just it's crazy i can't wait till it gets
0: back to normal hopefully oh i'm with you dying to get out there you know i'm a huge ufc fan and it's just so weird why the ufc has made a comeback now they still have had fighters test positive or coaches test positive and they've had a solution for that just simply remove them from the event and keep testing uh everyone involved for the event but i mean they're not fighting in front of a crowd i mean the, mm-hmm. They had a really great event, what, two weeks ago, where they had, like, a knockout every other fight. And the beauty of that is, you know, the crowd's freaking out in unison when, when that happens. And you're just not really hearing that. You only hear the announcers. One of the, one of it's the fighters... It's so weird, right? <laughs> it's funny because one of the fighters, uh, he actually heard the announcers critiquing him and saying he needs to do this. And he started actually doing that because he could hear. Because there is no crowd noise. So he started doing that, and he actually knocked out his opponents. So it's like – (laughs) That's weird. That's that's like a whole different dynamic, huh? Yeah. No, it is. But, yeah, I mean, in your industry, man, it just sucks because it's – I mean, we're in the middle of summer right now. Kids are out of school. People just have more free time. Uh, People are with their friends, their families more often, and they go out to these kinds of things. You know, I, I think about the fact that um, just last summer I was working for the Royals. I worked there for five seasons yeah, uh, yeah. doing the music there, uh, run the video board occasionally as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think about some of my former coworkers there because uh, some of those guys don't have full time jobs. I mean, like me, I, I've got my business. You know, I do that during the day and I went to Kauffman Stadium uh, in the evenings when I was scheduled okay. to work a game. Yeah. But some of my coworkers there, I mean, they're not they don't have like a full-time job their job is freelancing you know oh, they do a they yeah. do a high school football game on a friday night then they do you know a local college game uh, on saturday then they do a chiefs game and then a royals game on monday it's like right so like know, their th- whole thing is just completely tanked right now exactly yeah, yeah i know that's terrible it's it's horrible man i mean th- like the movie theater industry i mean that has just been oh bunk man right they they're like canceling
1: production on some of the movies and stuff that were supposed to be coming out and they're moving it to the next year.
0: Yeah. Hoping that it's going to clear up,
1: you know? Well,
0: we'll what's so them. crazy is that this whole virus it's, it's picking back up now. And yeah, I know it's, I mean, every day it, it feels like every morning I wake up, there's a headline. I don't, I don't mean to laugh at this. It's not funny, but yeah, uh, it's kind
1: of satirical at this point. Cause it's just so outrageous.
0: It's like mm-hmm. unbelievable. Really? Well, I mean, we're, we're setting records every day, and, and you're kind of just wondering, you know, are people just not doing their part? Is there something we don't know? Why is it mm-hmm. that it's so low in other countries? I mean, I, I know it, it turns into this big political mayhem, which only in America yeah. do we make everything political. But everything, yeah, literally, I know. Yeah. Uh, have you been, I mean, you're good, your family's good, you're, you're staying healthy from all this? Yeah,
1: thank God, we're doing well. Um, good. Everybody's healthy, which that's the main thing. Thank goodness. But uh, trying to just get ready for what's coming next, you know, as far as business wise and entertainment and the industry and stuff, you know, you're just trying to be creative and you know, think of alternatives. That's the interesting part, you know. So uh, putting putting out some music, you know, I decided to go ahead and put a song out because the way I looked at it, I mean, originally, you know, with all this first happened i was just kind of like this is probably not a good time to put anything out you know but now that everybody's a little more acclimated to the new normal or what everybody's calling you know that uh which i don't i don't think it's really the new normal but uh everybody's getting a little more acclimated and being used to being online more and 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 stuff now to me is the time that people need to be having access to new music and stuff because there's not as much to do, you know, and music is a good way to kind of let go, release a little anxiety, sit back and relax and just listen. You know what I mean? That's what I do when I, when I get bored or when I feel a certain way or something, I just turn on, you know, a playlist and let it crank. So I decided to go ahead and put out a new song. Um, It's called in front of me. I've actually had it for over two years, which is the kind of crazy part, but I, I just felt like, you know what, if I don't, put it out now i probably won't and i won't have a chance to so the timing is just a little weird but i think i kind of i kind of like it at the same time
0: yeah so talk about that because uh have you ever watched uh bar rescue with john taffer bar rescue is that where it goes in and like fixes it up yeah, well, I mean, he, he basically, you know, lashes out on them before doing that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, and
1: like tells them all how terrible they're doing. And then yeah. like
0: at the end, they're all like,
1: man, this guy's great. We just love him. They will <laughs>
0: hug and everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen that. Um, uh, It's funny, two Chiefs players <laughs> were on there uh, last year, Mitchell Schwartz, And I can't remember the other guy. It, it was kind of an interesting episode. But uh, I, I listened to John Taffer's podcast and he talked about how uh kind of what you were saying you had this song uh, you know saved for two years he mentioned that the season finale for bar rescue was recent uh but there were seven episodes that didn't air and they're keeping that in the can and they're thinking you know when are they going to air that talk huh. about that a little bit the fact that you had this song for a while what, what factors go go into your mind you know maybe th- this might not be the best time to release it because you've had it for a couple of years right uh why do you keep it uh behind closed doors for two years and and what what, what what makes you decide that now was the best time to release it? I don't know. I guess with this song, like I just felt so good
1: about it when I wrote it. Um, And also when I kind of showed a few people that I knew that were close enough that I could trust their opinion, but far enough away that where I know they would tell me the truth. I showed it to them. I did kind of a little listening session, you know, several times. and they all really liked the song and i had a little bit of constructive criticism about it and then made a few changes along the way you know but i mean it basically kept its original structure as a song you know um but i was able to kind of show a few people and the response was really positive you know because i've had other songs that people like it but they also have more like criticism about it and, and then it takes a little more work to get it really where it needs to be. But this one was a little more no brainer. Um, and I just, I just was like, you know, I, I want to make sure it has the best chance possible to get out there. And that's why I wanted to like hold it. You know what I mean? Cause a song for me is like a, a kid or something. And like, it, it's, it's your little creation that you made and you want to hold on to it real tight. Um, and make sure it has the best chance but sometimes you can also smother it out by doing that you know Um, so that's why i just was like you know what i've had it for two years i want to give it the best chance but right now i i've got to release it now otherwise the climate's going to change eventually and the song's going to be a little less relevant than maybe it is right now it's still very like now the sound of it, you know, the production the yeah. of it, and the concept and everything—it's very now. It's very mainstream, like dance pop, I guess, is what you would call it. Um, but just like I say, you know, I feel like people need music more now than they maybe did even before. It's—it's uh, it's not considered a essential uh, type of thing in the world or whatever, you know, like a, you know, somebody that works as a I don't know, plumber or, you know, uh, electrical or, you know, some of those guys are where you have to go
0: out and about and and come across other people.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but music to me is essential for mental health, you know, and there's a lot of people struggling right now because you can't do the same things that you were used to doing. You can't see some of the family members that, you know, you're used to seeing every day and stuff. So, uh, to me, music can help with that. And that's why I was like, you know what? I just prayed about it a little bit and God was like, just put it out. What's it going to hurt? You know what I mean? And because I can do another push on it later if it doesn't go as big or as grand as I wanted it to. But, um, I don't know. I, and I, I stopped, I've stopped worrying about the numbers and stuff as much. I mean, because things have suffered as you know, since, since all oh, this yeah. happened, you know, um, as far as like, all the likes and the comments and the da, 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 But I just, I don't know. I stopped worrying about that as much and just was like, you know, this is something creative that I've made and I just want the world to hear it. Whoever that is, maybe they just need to hear it right now. Cause that's why I make music. That's why I originally started making music to begin with was just because I loved it and I wanted to make it to help people so that they could relate to it. You know?
0: You 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 mentioned a, a really interesting point. I mean, the fact that you know, no, it's not essential, but uh, I mean, a lot of musicians do have maybe not like a full audio room, but they've got some equipment they can still work with. They've got a microphone of some sort. They can still. I mean, I've got this this microphone here, and I've seen a lot of musicians on YouTube use this kind of microphone. Yeah, it looks uh, like a nice mic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Yeti. Um, a Blue Yeti is what it's called. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Blue is a pretty big uh, popular yeah. company when it comes to buying microphones for music or podcasting. Sure. Um, so, so, you know, you're able to do this kind of stuff at home now, and, and people have been able to do it for a while. So, it's good you've been able to do something because, I mean, at some point, just, you know, doing nothing and just watching, you know, movies or video games or just home activities can get It just gets pretty, old after yeah. a while. Like, it
1: was fun at first. I think everybody was like, oh, cool snow day you know, like <laughs> yeah exactly have a freaking great time watching netflix and binge you know binge watching our, our favorite shows tiger king oh my god. That kind of that's stuff. a whole subject on its own right there that was crazy people my girlfriend and i just got addicted to that she literally made me watch it like golly, two handfuls of times at least oh really so you when watch she she it more than on once
0: huh you watch it more than once you're saying oh yeah oh god Why? oh yeah well it's one. <laughs> i know i know i
1: know it's like mind-blowing to myself but it's one of those where you you actually do catch little things later if you watch it a, another time that is time. true you 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 catch little things and then once you kind of know the outcome because you watch the whole thing and then you you watch it from the beginning again you start seeing like little nuances and people's personalities and stuff. You're like, wow, I didn't notice that at first. You know, like that makes sense. Knowing what I know now, you know, like with Carol Baskin and all this stuff and how she's like kind of all of these people are very egocentric, mm. you know? Uh, but they're very interesting characters and they have their own, like you almost feel, you feel for some of them, even though you kind of shouldn't, you yeah. know, it's really weird, but yeah. So yeah, I did that whole thing. You know, I did. The, I, I was on board with the whole binge watching, and you know, but it's not, You're right. It's nice to have everything accessible to where you can continue to work from home. And I think it's really shown to a lot of employers specifically that you know maybe some of these people that are working for you don't have to come in at the crack of dawn and work. That's a great point. Down to get their job done well
0: maybe they work better in their pajamas sitting in bed you know i remember joe rogan actually having a conversation about that on his podcast you know this yeah. whole thing as terrible as it is it has opened up some some ice here you know what can you do with your business um so yeah that's definitely something that i'm sure a lot of uh businesses will uh, will look into once you know we yeah. do return to normal. we'll see which Hopefully sooner rather than later, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the, the, the Netflix thing. I don't know if you saw that. You, you, you see so many people who post you know, stupid shit online uh, just, just saying terrible things. They don't think twice before they speak. Right. I found this really funny meme of um, – what's the guy's name? Joe Exotic or yeah. whatever? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's That's just the a Tiger pic- King guy, right? Yeah, yeah. There's just a picture of him, and the meme says, uh, you know who posts stupid shit like this? that dumb bitch carol Bastard. yeah <laughs> i know like, like that is that's a meme i'm gonna start using anytime i see really stupid like stuff on the internet stupid stuff yeah yeah because no
1: i mean Man, people just were just reaming her out it's terrible but uh, yeah. she's more famous now than i'm sure she ever has been i don't know if it's for
0: a good reason probably not but when uh, when the president was doing all these uh, press conferences every day, somebody in the media actually asked him that Joe Exotic is asking him for a pardon, oh and my that gosh. and that one of his sons, I think it was Trump Jr., who actually w- w- was willing to pardon him. So I mean, it's crazy how much steam that has that has picked up. It's um, amazing, I, yeah. I, I do want to go back and talk about you know you talked about the creation of your music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but uh, Stu Stone, who, who's a friend of mine, he's been on this podcast. He has his own podcast, and okay. uh, he, he started out as a child actor. He was actually on the Magic School Bus. I don't know if you ever watched that as a kid, if yeah. you remember uh, Ralphie, or I don't know if that yeah, rings a bell to you I, I or not. I don't
1: remember specifically, but I do remember that show for sure. Yeah, everybody watched that. I think it was really popular.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he was a part of it. That was a really big part of his... Um, of his, like, youth uh, as a child actor. He also starred as a voice actor in Babar, which was not as popular as Magic School Bus, but it's a, it's another big cartoon that a lot of kids watch in the 90s. But cool. um, it, well, the thing I was going to say about him, I mean, he's done so many crazy things in his career, acting, directing. He's even done music, both uh, as a yeah. singer and behind the scenes. And one of the cool. things I asked him about at one point is that some of the songs have – kind of what I asked you is that uh, – he's had some songs that were out for a while, but were not published until this album of his that he had. Uh, yeah. And he told me a little bit that he was supposed to release certain songs a lot sooner because he was with Warner brothers at the time. But, okay. and I don't remember the, uh, the backstory, but the record label, I guess just kind of fell apart and I mean, he's he's a guy that you know people have heard of naturally before he's done a rap album with jamie kennedy but he's not you know your uh the the guy who you see on the front page of itunes per se you know and i think you can right. relate to that and what's so funny is with alternative music i guess might be that where you guys fit as in that category right. you do hear a lot of really great music but it just doesn't get out there and i don't know if it's because um, you know, regional musicians are not with big record labels or or what the case is. Have you got I, I don't know what your um uh, music library is like when you listen to other musicians, but I'm guessing you've come across a lot of other regional musicians and you kind of think to yourself, "Man, these are better than some of the big yeah, stars out there." all the
1: time. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that the market, at least in my opinion, the market is really flooded and it's becoming more and more flooded because people are able to create music and stuff from their houses, you know, from their home studios. Um, But a lot of times the reason why they get buried is because these bigger artists that have, you know, uh, major record labels or, you know, like universal or Island or, you know, all those guys, like the big ones, um, they have the marketing budgets to just inundate you constantly with their content. So the other guys that don't have the huge budgets, you know, kind of end up getting buried. But I was talking about this kind of thing of the whole COVID situation with a friend of mine, uh, Josh Gabriel, he's a really great drummer in Branson. I probably mentioned him before, but um, he and I talk music all the time. And he was saying that we were talking about how the fact of these larger concerts are basically like illegal at this point because of COVID. Uh, I'm talking like, you know, the BOK Center, stuff like that, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people, whatever, you know, like yep. stadium sized shows. You can't do them right now, and they're all getting canceled or moved or whatever. That actually might, at some point here, fairly soon start benefiting the independent artist because, you know, we can play to, you know, a lesser amount of people at a time. In smaller cities and stuff, and and you can still kind of get away with that, with the proper guidelines, you know, following the CDC and stuff with masks and distance and stuff. You know, like in Branson, where uh, we just came from, visiting a, a few people. But um, that's where Josh is from. They have a show there with his dad, and they're still able to do the shows, and they're still doing about the same volume as they were before. It's just. People are separated in their seats. You know, they have seating like theaters there. Yeah. Um, but they separate the families into groups. You know, six feet apart or whatever the distance is that's that the CDC is saying mm. is good, and they're social distancing. But the theaters they weren't filling filling the th- theaters completely capacity anyway to begin with. Um, so they're still able to play to about the same amount of people, roughly, and it's a success but they're just separating them out further. So That's interesting. It could potentially help the independent music scene a little bit because people are going to want to go out and they're going to want to do things and see artists and be entertained. But um, the big dogs are not going to be able to do it as easily because they're trying to pack 10,000 people into one they place. Want they want more money. Do that. And they want more money too. Yep. And And I've heard about, you know, things changing on that front too, with the festivals, you know, like um, they originally would be paying artists fairly exorbitant amount of money to come through and play their festivals. And they, they'd they like pay them the majority of it up front. And in the contract, like sometimes the artists could cancel because they didn't have a, you know, something in their rider that was met and you know it might even be something fairly minor but they were kind of a lot of artists are a little prima donna sometimes not all of them but they can be and and i do understand like some of them having certain requirements because you know when you're out on the road even a, a pair of socks or something you know or a, a pair of or a box of t-shirts or something would be nice to have because you're running out of clothing or you haven't been able to shower in a couple of days or something, you know what I mean? Just little things like that. But a lot of mm-hmm. the bigger artists can be kind of prima donnas and they'll be like, I don't have my cardboard cut out of Miley Cyrus in my, you know, room with my bowl of only green M and M's. So I'm not going <laughs> on, you know, but uh, they're not, they're not going to be doing that anymore because they're talking about kind of changing it up to where you don't get paid as much up front, you know, yeah. for these type of things. Cause the, the festival promoters and stuff are are, are suffering right now, you know, because they can't do these big shows and stuff. So it's just going to change the whole climate. It's not yeah. going to be quite as bougie, I don't think, in the long run here, as it has been. Not not quite as much of the rock star mentality, you know. Sure. Which I I'm fine with because I've always thought that that's kind of silly anyway to be. Egotistical like that, and and not go on stage because of some little minor
0: thing, you know. I don't know why, but this entire conversation reminded me of a really funny story. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, yeah, um, I uh, took a broadcasting class, and uh, you know, in our class, we brainstorm all these ideas. And uh, the student who I was working with, he was also in a band and in music, kind of like one of those small bands. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he he's not like you know a regional uh, musician or anything, but at right. the time, you know, uh, he he had a really good idea. Uh, one of the venues, I guess, he and his band performed at. Uh, they, um, uh, th- there was a show coming up, and he knew some of the people at that venue, and he thought, you know, it'd be really cool if we did like a behind the scenes, what it's like for a band to set up, and what it's like for a venue to prepare for that band. Yeah, and I've done some stuff kind of like that. Yeah, I, I I've never really i I mean I, I don't know what that's like, so um, we interviewed I think the manager of the venue, <laughs> and i'm i am i am over here you know sixteen year old farzine asking all kinds of stupid questions and at one point, I asked him, I go, um, have you ever had any technical difficulties before? <laughs> and he starts laughing
1: Have you ever had any technical difficulties? No, never
0: but you know what man having worked in having worked in uh, radio yeah exactly having worked in radio having done music at royals games before i can talk about technical difficulties all day man oh yeah
1: (laughs) well and to me with that kind of thing it's always and my dad kind of showed me this it's always how you handle it you know because if you're pseudo prepared to knowing that I'm not going to will something to happen, but if it does, here's what I'm going to do, or here's what I'm going to say. You know, like Even when I first started out playing music, it was a minor thing, but he, he told me, he's like, your mic's a cordless microphone, so it's a possibility that it might go out. Oh, yep. So That happens. He coordinated with my bass player, who also had a microphone, or, or my lead guitar player maybe, and he said, if you see Morgan – struggling and something happens be ready and Morgan you go over there and grab his microphone oh there we go you know and have it to where it's not wound around the 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 mic stand or something so that I you know, have problems pulling it off there and act, look like a weirdo trying to do it we prepared this is the designated holy crap mic if mine <laughs> goes out and sure enough three four gigs into you know doing our tour and stuff boom it happened and we were ready for it and it, you know, the mic cut out for a few seconds, but nobody even really noticed because we just handled it. You know, it's all about how you handle that kind of stuff, though.
0: I know um, our, our our music system sometimes is just weird uh, at, at Kaufman Stadium. Uh, so we use this. People, th- by the way, it's always funny how uh, people think they can do your job better. So, for example, like, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I remember I... Um, I posted on Facebook one day that I'm, you know, going to be the DJ for Coughlin Stadium for, for Royals games, which
1: is super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's right. something
0: I've always wondered about as a kid. Like, who who does that kind of thing? And exactly. I got to do it for a little yeah, bit. It's um, pretty neat. But I would always get text messages. People say, "Oh, you're playing, you know, Black Eyed Peas, or you play this song. Right. I could play about it. It's like, you know, it's not just playing music. It's you know, it's a sporting event. I can't just play, you know." johnny cash like there's nothing upbeat nothing it's not yeah. there's nothing you know sports Exciting sportsy. Or, yeah, yeah exactly right. um it's always funny you know people think they know how easy your job is yeah i can just see it now
1: i hurt myself today <laughs> like <laughs> you know um, it may be like wait what what's going on what? i
0: don't want to uh, feel that way right now you know <laughs> uh Oh, gosh i i remember i was in mexico once on you know on a family vacation and i got all these text messages you know why are you playing britney spears and i'm drunk of course i have no idea what the hell people are asking me right, right. um so i'm like what are you talking about they go you're playing britney spears right now and it sucks i'm like i, I don't know what the hell you're talking about i am drunk right now they go are you at, at at the Royal Stadium right now? I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. That's why. Oh, they're...
1: okay. I'm getting yeah. blamed
0: for this. Yeah. Even it's well, not even me. Well, actually what happened once, uh, our audio just completely went out and I was not working that day. Um, it was pregame. We usually have like these pregame hosts, you know, they grab fans and play like, you know, these fun games and they give away right. prizes. And right. then of course, you know, you throw the first pitch, you do the national anthem, all that stuff leading up to the first pitch. But yeah. for whatever reason, the audio was not working. And somebody asked me, I got a text message saying, what's wrong with the audio? And of course, I'm, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And it took a couple of text messages uh, to figure out what they're asking exactly. Right. Uh, so so I, I, the story I got was, at one of the Royals games, was that the speakers were not working. And our engineer at the time set up a... Uh, temporary speaker at left field or something. Oh. I don't, it sounds kind of odd. I, I don't know exactly. Yeah. If it, it was, was like a makeshift poorly.
1: kind of situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for the national anthem, what they did was the video board was working. So they just put the, the words on the screen and all the fans started singing. That's so cool. It actually made national news. I don't know if you remember that. It might've been 2016 or 2017. I kind
1: of feel like I saw something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, being like water, like Bruce Lee would say or whatever, and trying to shapeshift into these different situations and work with them and make it to your advantage. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, well, you got however many thousand people in this stadium. Utilize them. Everybody knows the national anthem. Make them feel part of the deal instead, you know, and like make yeah. it about them, and then you're right. Boom, it makes national news.
0: Have you, have you ever sang the national anthem before at a sporting event? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Or anywhere maybe? I don't know that. I don't think that I have. Believe
1: it or not, I don't think I have. I don't but know my dad, you... my dad sang the national anthem of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, thing. really? When was this? Go ahead. Yeah, this was golly back in i say like 20, twenty. It's been a while. Like that? Yeah, it's okay. been a minute. But well, um, I was I was a lot younger, you know. But it was probably even further back than that. And now I think about it, I have to ask him. But he wore he wore like this really killer looking red suit the white you know white shirt and stuff and like it just looked cool and i got to go on the field with him and that's kind of when i was like okay this is cool i need to do my own thing and that's kind of one reason why i like to to I, I wrote the song for the chiefs and stuff so
0: yeah i'm uh, i'm trying to look for this <clears throat> excuse me i don't know if i can find it on youtube because yeah. i mean if you type national anthem now i mean all, all kinds of things about like players protesting comes up and oh, people yeah. who filmed the National Anthem live because it is kind of a special moment at Airhead when they have flyovers. But Yeah, was... they did that for him too. It was like a, the Bombers, the B-52s or whatever. Well, what I was going to get at with you was there was a singer around 2010 or 2011. Yeah. He, uh, he completely screwed up the National Anthem. Oh, he sang, man. He sang one verse. I can't find it, but he sang one verse and then he re-repeated a part of the uh, national anthem. And then he skipped a bunch of Oh man! the, yeah. the anthem. And then people started booing this guy. It's like, man, I, I, and look, I've, uh, I used to be a PA announcer for yeah. uh, a community college uh, in Kansas, uh, Johnson County community college where I attended for a couple of years. And I remember, you know, looking through our rundown and they mentioned, Hey, by the way, you're also the DJ. I'm like, oh, okay. I I don't know how how I feel about this. Right. And, uh, so what happened was they told me, you know, uh, we were doing national anthem, you know, five minutes before the first, the volleyball game starts. And, uh, I'm like, I don't have the national anthem on my phone. What, what do we do? And I didn't really think of this, but one of the, the assistant basketball coach came over and he put it on his iPhone and he, we were trying to plug it in. But what happened was he had a very thick iPhone case to the point where you could not, uh, plug it into the uh gotta take it out of the, the case Happens yeah to me every time yeah and i i'm just like you know okay and of course you know as a pa announcer, i go all right ladies and gentlemen please stand for the national anthem and we're trying to plug it and we're pressing play on the iphone you oh can hear goodness. it through his phone oh my goodness but not through the actual speakers so we're just oh. like you know you, you talked about this just it. standing there like you know, you talk about improvising at the moment. Like what's going on? I, yeah, I just got—I just got the mic, and I go, "All right, sorry, folks, our music is not working." So we did not have any music that day. Uh, which you know, I mean, looking back, I mean, I, I was what, like eighteen or nineteen at the time. I think looking back, you know, I—I I definitely would have handled that maybe different. I mean, the worst thing you could do is you, you know just just plug it, you know, or not plug it. But yeah, just put, put it, it into your microphone, and yeah, I mean, it I've probably actually. Would have I've actually recorded a couple of interviews on my podcast like that. I don't know if uh, people have noticed, maybe they have, maybe they haven't, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, technical issues. I mean, sometimes you just gotta work around it. I'll share a story with you that I don't think I've ever really told anybody
1: because it's just kind of silly, but sort of similar type thing happened to me one time when I was doing a show with my dad, we do a lot of music together too. And, it was a wedding. I think he was performing at and I was, you know, like playing guitar and singing with him and stuff. And, um, prior to the gig, I really didn't know anything about the people that we were playing for. Um, he was, he's normally the one that does all the emceeing and stuff for that, for his shows, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, just like I would do my emceeing and talking and things for my shows. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I didn't know anything about these people. And, we didn't realize that we, we, we were setting up all the way up to the point where the reception was getting ready to happen. And we had just kind of like finalized everything and we're just barely ready in time. You know, we were, we are, we're always crunching for time, you know, but we get it done. So anyway, he's like, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. And I'm like, Oh no. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking, I hope he gets back in time for whatever's getting ready to take place, you know, cause all the reception stuff is real time sensitive. People are coming out and then they're introduced and, yep. and all that. So he goes to the restroom and I'm standing there kind of getting ready to go. And all of a sudden the, the lady who's, uh, you know, putting together the wedding and everything came, she comes running up to me. She's like, we're ready. We're ready right now. And I'm like, Oh no, they're coming in right now. And I go, uh, okay. And I just kind of acted like I knew what was going on and it, in that case. I did not, you know? So I walk up to the mic and I was like, um, I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know. I don't know their names. I have no idea what their oh, last name is. Nothing. Goodness. And so I walk up to the mic and I was like, Ladies and gentlemen, please stand. Or I don't even know what I said. I was just trying <laughs> to come up with anything. Like, because right now, and I'm just stalling for time in my brain, I'm literally <laughs> losing it. And I'm like, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. And I go, The bride and groom. <laughs> and then, like an angel from heaven, I hear this voice go, Mr. and Mrs whatever it was, Jones. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, oh, my God. And she, he said their, like, full name, you know, Roger Jones or whatever it was. Wait, who said that? Well, I realized later my dad had taken the microphone to the bathroom with him, <laughs> oh. and it was a cordless, and he was literally, like, in the bathroom and could hear all this going on. And he, as he was, like, walking out or whatever, he, he announced it, and I was like, oh, my God. I said, dude do not ever do that to me again and he started laughing and he's like i just kind of got lucky on that one i was like yeah no joke so it worked out fine but and we sound similar enough to where they probably didn't even notice it wasn't me saying it (laughs) but it just barely worked out dude now i was like literally about to crap my pants (laughs) that's about the only time on stage i felt that way you know
0: was there like a split second where you just kind of wonder, was that like the voice of God or something? I didn't know. Because I was
1: literally just like, I don't know what I'm going to say.
0: Oh, that is hilarious.
1: Groom, Which everybody knows that's like really not the case. The whole point is to like introduce them as the new name, you know. Yeah, exactly. Together or oh, whatever. God. But I, oh my gosh, it was so stressful.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious that's one of the funniest stories well you know what's su- such an issue is um when we have our MCs at uh oh when i say "our" like i'm still there but at royals games yeah um when they go behind the outfield because we have a lot of these like uh like shops and restaurants that people can eat at and sometimes our MCs right. will go there and the connection with our microphone is I mean, it just keeps cutting in and out because I don't know why, maybe it's because it's too far away or, or what the case is, but Probably there's the like signal a signal
1: or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it's, it's, it's a tough spot there. And you know, when they cut in and out, it's just one of those things. And you talk about your dad using the the restroom. It's like there are a lot of metal walls in, in bathrooms. So yeah, the fact that his mic was working the entire time. I mean, that was, I got, that, that's I a got good thing. lucky on that one.
1: Yeah. And I didn't know he had taken it with him either, but I guess he, pseudo anticipated something might happen or you know he may just took it take it with him just because he forgot he had it i really don't know but yeah a lot of times you can get rf interference because there's a lot of other things going on too in the stadium you know walkie-talkies and stuff but we got lucky in that case
0: this kind of reminds me of a of an incident i'm sure you've seen all these protests that have taken place you know all across the country yeah. Uh, but there was a CNN reporter. It was very early dur- during a, a morning. I can't remember exactly what day, but there was a CNN reporter who just got arrested. He wasn't doing anything bad. He was just you know, reporting you know, what the scene was like on, at 5 a.m., yeah. but he got arrested. His microphone uh, holder uh, or cameraman got arrested, and so did his producer, and they, just, they had to put the camera down. They had no choice. Yeah, um, I think I watched that happen. Well, what's funny, is it, and I was listening to their radio feed on Sirius uh-huh. XM, so I I'm not, I wasn't seeing this, but the the anchors were kind of freaking out. They're like, "Hey, that's our camera," and they are actually about to release them. Like, they don't know that the camera is still on or locked yeah. or anything. So, it's one of those things. And it was cutting in and out because you know, I, I mean, who knows where they were locked up in for that hour, but. You know, there's a lot of metal walls there, so it keeps going to get out. Just, just one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you have these uh, big equipments and you, you take them to these places and you hope they work because sometimes yeah. they can uh, go to your advantage. But no, oh, it kind yeah. of did remind me of that. Stuff happens
1: all the time. No, I watched that. It was pretty crazy. I was really like, you don't normally see the media getting arrested.
0: Yeah, that was weird.
1: That's real rare. So the, the tensions were really high in that in that scenario and in a lot of different scenarios you know i've been watching the local news too and these people are going out and they're risking a lot to cover this stuff i mean it needs to be covered though it needs to be talked about
0: i, I don't want to get give- into that subject too much, but here's what I will say. And I think I, I know you're logical. Like, I, and I, and I don't know about your politics or any of that. And you, you don't have to bring that up, but yeah, you know, what's funny is everyone, you know, politicizes everything nowadays, especially with this whole, you know, social injustice, police brutality. It's like at one point, at what point can we like get a voice of reason? And someone out there can say, I mean, you and I are not big enough for this, but someone out there maybe can just say, Hey, look, can we just stop debating and find solutions like, like yeah. Now, that, a lot
1: that, people that, is... like to hear themselves talk sometimes, you yeah. know, and then things end up not happening. Nothing happens. So I think that, um, and again, we don't have to dive in this big time or anything. So I don't really generally like to put politics out there too much. It's just not really my thing. But when it comes to human rights, Social injustice, stuff like that. Like people need to be heard, and the separation just needs to be gone. It's not necessary. People are people. Humans are humans. Period.
0: Well, here's the thing: you you mentioned you know human rights. I mean, those aren't even politics, and I think that's where that's where (laughs) that's why I'm like
1: kind of okay talking about that publicly to some degree because if you're complacent about that, then you're on the other side,
0: in my opinion. Well you know? Patrick Mahomes has been getting some shit because he's gotten involved. He he was part of that Black Lives Matter video that went viral. Oh uh, I didn't with see other that. Yeah, him, wow. Deshaun Watson, think. a few other black players. Tyron Matthew was also on it. Um yeah. on Safety for the Chiefs, for those who don't know. Um and uh, you know, people were like, "Oh, stick to sports." You know, don't talk about politics. And it's, it's not just politics, like, it's, "Man, it's not, yeah, exactly." No, it's not politics. No, Me, uh, Patrick and, and LeBron are actually teaming up for like a voter registration website to get people to to, to vote. Um, Good for them, man. Yeah, like, okay, sure. The the voting part, okay. there is like a little political stream there, but it's like wow. they're not. They didn't even like endorse anyone. Anyway. Maybe they might, and they're allowed right. to. But
1: I, and I understand how politics do come into play because you're asking for change. And really the ones who can make that happen are the people that we appoint yeah. into those positions. So I do understand that, but I, I don't know. Patrick has done a great job like using his platform for good. Oh, 100%. And uh, that's one reason why I got on board with uh, 15 in the Mahomies When we kind of read publicize the chop it up, the song and everything. Um, that I created and we raised money for, for them for 15 of the Mahomies. I'm just, I'm all about the guy. Like you can say whatever you want about his performance. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, for the most part, it's pretty phenomenal for who he is and his age and where he came from and everything. It's pretty amazing really. Um, but as a person, like the guy is just, he's a good person. It seems like, I don't know oh, yeah. him personally, but he is using his platform kind of like some of the other guys you were talking about, Travis Kelsey and some of the other ones, they're using it for good. And to me, that's what I want to get behind as a fan. That's what I want to support. That's what I want to be successful is somebody that's going to take their platform and do the right things with it.
0: You know, because Patrick's a quarterback and a great quarterback, uh, you know, and his girlfriend by default becomes a a big celebrity, right? You know what they do in the community always gets noted. I know Patrick was painting houses small houses for, uh, uh, for homeless veterans. Right. Um, uh, I, I mean, so many things that uh, he's done. Uh, whereas, like, Tyreek Hill, uh, he has some uh, – and I, I don't, I don't want to screw this up, but he's got some sort of foundation where he helps uh, households with single parents. Nobody knows anything about that. I remember someone mentioned, oh. you know – they said, Oh, I wish Tyree kill was more like Patrick Mahomes and does charity events. It's like he does. He it does. Just doesn't get publicized. Does. All of these players yeah. really do. Uh, but the ones who are rich and big like a Tyree kill or a Travis Kelsey, again, they're not, you know, forefront superstars, but they, they have stuff out there. It just doesn't get talked about as much because they're not the quarterback of the, yeah. of of the, of the exactly. Super and, and they
1: know, they know what they're doing. And that's really all that really matters is they know sure.
0: where their heart is and,
1: and uh, what their intentions are towards their communities and stuff. And that's really all that matters. But you're right. Like them, kind of like I was saying in the music industry, you got some really great artists that have good intentions that make really great music, but you don't find them as much, but the big dogs are able to publicize more. And that's when you, you see them. But a lot of them, unfortunately, not, not a lot of them, but some of them don't have good intentions. You know, a lot of artists, It's kind of the same thing. Um, but that's why it's important to do things like what we're doing right now and talk about those guys that don't get as as much name recognition, but they're, they're doing equally as much for their communities and for people that are watching them closely, you know, as the other guys.
0: I do want to talk about this before, uh, we let you loose here. Uh, you talked about, you know, uh, teaming up with 15 of the Mahomies, you you have yeah. to cut your hair for the longest time you had yeah. these, these these long dreads <laughs> so yes uh, what was that what was that like because I, I i've i've always known you to have like you know this long hair and i and i remember right. you posted on social media once <laughs> Someone came up to, you, I guess, asking you for drugs, and you were kind of upset by that because they thought, because of your long hair, that you know that was kind of like your thing and all. Right, it's like uh, a cliché,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: But but yeah, which is just a terrible thing to judge someone like that. But I've always right. remembered you having just long hair. What is it like now for the past few months, just having just shorter hair now? And are we ever going to see a long hair back for Morgan Ganim? I don't know. I mean, you
1: know, maybe eventually I might grow my hair out a little bit, but I really like this new look and I apologize for anybody. If you're able to see this, you can't see it right now because it's under my hat. I haven't fixed it, but, um, it's real curly and I like to have the sides nice and tapered and, you know, faded or whatever you call it. I found this really great barber and she does a great job for me, but it feels good, man. Like my style has changed a little bit because, of it. you know, I'm a little more uh, put together, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I like to like to clean up and wear my suits and slacks and nice shirts and stuff. I don't know. I, I, I did see feel, the,
0: the wedding pictures that you attended. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just feel better about it, man. I don't know. Like when I used to dress up like that, I always, even for, you know, some private events and things, you know, you dress nicer. Um, but I always felt weird with my hair that way because it was just... <laughs> everywhere and like real big and like clunky and and the stereotype that goes with it is like a little different you know i don't know like eclectic kind of thing and sometimes people think that you're you're a certain way when you're not which i think is wrong and yeah it should be but it still is what it is but uh I, I don't know i feel good i feel more put together more cleaned up it's way cooler when you're outside in the heat, if we had to do anything outside for, of course we're not performing any shows right now, but if I was, it'd be a lot more comfortable. I used to do a lot of shows outside.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: man, it was hot. (laughs) So hot.
0: So it just, especially in the Midwest. Yes. Yes. No, I, I understand exactly what you're saying uh well Morgan it's been a lot of fun talking to you I always enjoy talking to you and this is of course you know much different because we used to you know talk about your music and then just talk chiefs and now we just talk you know all kinds of things I know we yeah. usually don't get to have these kinds of conversations so it's really nice to be able to have you on this I podcast uh before you do go I know you're not doing any shows right now, but I know you just had your single come out. You've yeah. got an album out there. I know you've got projects in the works. Uh, I don't know how much you can talk about that right now, but tell everyone how they can find your stuff, how they can follow you on social media.
1: Sure. So uh, my official website is com. That's M-O-R-G-A-N and then g a n e m G-A-N-E-M.com. You can find everything there um all my music all my social medias and everything of course i'm real active on instagram again just search me morgan and it'll come up uh facebook um i'm on snapchat same kind of thing just search my name i'll pop up for you but you can go to my website and find all the links for that um but like i always say to everybody when i'm on here like i love talking to people I'm a people person. You can ask my girlfriend, my family, like everybody. I just love being around people. So right now we're not able to do that in public, but we can do that online. So be sure to hit me up. Send me a message uh, if you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it. Uh, Let me know how you liked it. If you want to talk about some of the things that we discussed here, that's always fun too. And uh, I don't know. I I just look forward to seeing everybody out on the road when we can do that. And uh, be sure to check out my new songs. I'll be out performing it when we can.
0: It's fun, it's fun I, I, I've seen you uh, in your uh, Instagram uh, stories. I mean, you're out there, you know, people are in line wanting to hug you, kiss you, you know, have you sign autographs, I mean, all kinds of things. You're always uh, the man of the people. It's good to see. Yeah, I just, that's my favorite
1: part about what I do is being able to be in the middle of all the the people that want to hear the music and have a good time. And that's that's why it's a little tough right now. So
0: yeah, send me a message, make my heart full. It feels good. I love it. Well, Morgan, uh, like I said before, it's worth saying again. Uh, it's 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 always great talking to you. This is a lot of fun to do with you, and thank you again for everything you've done for me, for all the podcasts that I've done, and you letting me use your music as intros and outros. So definitely means a lot. And uh, I know we'll definitely uh, connect again. Uh, you stay safe, and uh, hopefully, uh, you can uh, start uh, going back to doing shows. I know you love doing that, so uh, we'll keep in touch, and I'm sure you'll come back on again soon. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome,
1: and congratulations on the new podcast. Uh, we're gonna send it off. Like we would a, a ship
0: or something, right? And Break the bottle and like let it go and do something. It'd be great, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, so excited we'll, for you. We can't we can't have a, a big celebration now, but when you know social distancing ends, we'll we'll, we'll definitely oh yeah uh, throw a party of <laughs> that kind of thing. Totally. Uh, well, Morgan, thanks again. Uh, we will definitely uh, keep in touch, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Thank that you. Is, that is Morgan Ganim. Coming up next, Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com and the author of At Last. He is coming up next on the podcast. All right, I'm very excited to talk to this guy right here. Uh, If you listen to my Chiefs podcast previously, you guys have definitely heard him on the Chiefs Zone podcast. And even if you didn't listen to that podcast before, if you're a Chiefs fan, you know who this guy is. He does a great job covering the Chiefs uh, for ChiefsDigest.com. Also, the author of two Chiefs books, uh, wrote a biography about Patrick Mahomes and his newest one, At Last, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, special commemorative book, Uh, winning the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. I have not talked to this guy in a very long time, so I'm excited to have him on the first episode of Farzcast. Joining me, Matt Derrick. Matt,
2: welcome in. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and and congratulations on starting the new podcast. I wish you well. Yeah, I I appreciate that. You're always always very
0: kind. You're always very kind. I I, I always appreciate that about you. But uh, so many things I want to get into here, and I mentioned your book, and I've got it in my hand. Right here at last. Uh, I, uh, I We were talking about this before we started recording. For some reason, I, I, I just thought I saw this in shelves maybe a little bit sooner than I initially thought. But I remember you announced on social media that you're going to have this book. And I thought to myself, you know, it's definitely something I got to have. And then I also thought, you know, it might take some time to write and go through all the publishing uh, process. But this was in shelves in less than a week after the Super Bowl. Um, talk to me. I mean, how were you able to get the wheels moving so fast and get this book out there so quickly?
2: Well, some of it was just preparing in advance. Um, you know, actually we, I had talked to the publisher about doing a Chiefs Super Bowl book back in 2018, because it looked like the Chiefs had a chance to go. And so when they went to the AFC <laughs> championship game, uh, yeah, I, there, I was there for about five seconds. I thought I was writing a 2018 championship book. Um, (laughs) four inches away exactly so um, yeah going into 2019 I just kind of was like you know what I need to be prepared I mean so I got to keep notes I've got to be prepared uh, you know with some storylines and to be able to put everything together Um, yeah when you do these championship books you know um, you look at a lot of them and sometimes a lot of times it's usually just taking reprints from newspapers and putting them together I tried to make a little bit different than that. So I, you know, I tried to refresh and everything certainly to put together a project that quickly you draw on a lot of, you know, reporting I had done throughout the season and stories I had written, but you know, I wanted to be able to put a fresh spin on it, especially, you know, being able to tell a story in perspective and realizing maybe things that were important uh, that became important later as the, as the season emerged and, and played itself out. So, um, yeah, I mean, and really, it ended up being even with all of that. You know, it's really a ten-day process. My, the bulk of my deadline was um, what five days before the Super Bowl, and then the last two chapters were due at 2 a.m. after the game. So I was uh, sending the last two chapters from my laptop. While on the shuttle bus leaving the stadium, it was the last shuttle bus out going back to the hotel, so that was uh, that was a whirlwind getting all of that done at the last minute. And yeah, they went to press right after the game, and I uh, got the book out quickly because they don't you know fans will like it's something that fans like to have as fast as they can.
0: Kevin Harlan is a is a part of this. Uh, talk about how you were able to to get him involved in this.
2: Yeah, you know, I had, I've listened to obviously Kevin almost all my life because I go back to being able to listen to him on Mizzou games back in the 1980s. So, um, and I never had a chance to meet him, even though covering the Chiefs um, until literally, I guess it was um, the, I guess it was the, I think it was the AFC championship here the week before um, the, the divisional game. Uh, Kevin had come over actually to talk to Adam Teicher, who I was sitting next to in the press box. And I was just like, "Hey, Kevin, I want to introduce myself?" And so we talked for a few minutes, and then um, I, I reapproached him, and then, you know, because I, he was my dream list. I mean, if I was going to get somebody to write the introduction to the book, I mean, he was he was my guy. So I shot my shot and <laughs> reached out to him, and uh, he, he said he'd love to do it. And was I took a little bit of time. I know he was in the middle of the NBA season at the time, so he was on the road when he wrote that for me and sent it to me and uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun i mean so somebody being a fan as as long as i have of kevin and with his connection to the chiefs it was uh, it was great to be able to get it to be part of the project and look i
0: will say i mean i i know uh one of the popular collector items uh from this whole championship thing is that uh dvd that blu-ray dvd where it, it, it recaps the entire season and you do a great job of that as well i mean you you start about talking about the super bowl and then you go in order in the season talking about you know the final game in oakland and uh, the MVP duel between Mahomes and and, and Lamar Jackson and, and Terrell Suggs coming in and all sorts of different things, all sorts of different profiles, uh, and you do do a great job of it. I know, and I don't mean to say this in a negative way. I know for a lot of people, like reading is a lost art, but folks, trust me. I mean, I'm looking at this right now. I think it's 127 pages, and and there are a lot of picture books, so you'll get through this yeah. book real fast, <laughs> and and I think people will really enjoy it. They definitely need this. As a collector's item, uh, if they don't have it already, uh, I've got to ask you this and take a moment to brag because you really do deserve it. I remember <laughs> uh, you had your uh, book on Mahomes, Showtime is what it's called, and now you have this. Wherever I go, whether it's a grocery store, um, a rally house, I don't know what it's called, but um, in Overland Park in uh, Prairie Fire, there's a store. It's 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 kind of like a rally house where they have some of the Charlie Hustle shirts and also some barbecue sauce and some nice uh, you know uh, KC decorations that you can buy for your for your home and you know at the front of the store they have this nice little table with with you know the popular shirts and the barbecue and then I see your book on there what is that like to see you know your your book at the front of you know grocery stores or Barnes and Noble in the Kansas City area
2: yeah. It's a surreal experience. I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, I try to. I, you know, I, I, I know. Hey, I'm not a New York Times bestseller or anything, so I got. Per- I put it in perspective. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it was uh, really the first time it kind of struck me was yes, yeah, walking into a high V when the, when Showtime came out, and uh, yeah, it, there it is. On they had it on, on the top shelf in the number one position, right next to the what is it? The the one of the books by Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, if I'm next to those two, apparently I'm in the big time here. Uh, but yeah, you know, and a lot of the local retailers, I mean, Barnes and Nobles have had some great displays. Uh, you know, I know Rainy Day Books is, has carried the book as well. And uh, a lot of local retailers have done a really, you know, a tremendous job helping me out and filling the book and everything. So yeah, seeing it out on the shelves, it's, it's, it's a surreal experience. I mean, you kind of just have to pinch yourself Did you get, had a chance to do something like this.
0: I don't know if you're allowed to go into detail with this, but you did the Mahomes autobiography and I'm sure, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, picked up on that because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is so popular here in Kansas City. Of course, that's Super Bowl collectors. Uh, What do you want to write about next? Or do you, do you, do you have any ideas? Do you have any, uh, any plans in motion right now about what book you want to write next?
2: You know, that's a, that's a great question because, I mean, you know, some of it will certainly be dictated, I'm sure, just by the opportunity that comes along. You know, if there's a publisher that wants to, you know, publish a book, I'd I'll, I'll love to work with anybody. So I'd love to you know, have another opportunity to come by. Um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, this is kind of off the topic of the Chiefs. But uh, one book that I've, I've always wanted to write, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance because now the, the time has kind of, you know, gone by its way. Um, but there's a really odd story from back in 1952. Um, th- they were selecting the U S Olympic team, basketball team. And as part of that back then the process, because you didn't have games on TV, anything like that, they had a qualifying tournament. So they brought together teams. And if I, I remember my, I think it was eight teams that they brought together. It was the service Academy. So army, Navy, air force had teams there. Um, Kansas Jayhawks were the NCAA champions. They played in the tournament, had a couple of other NCAA teams, a couple of AAU teams. And another one of them was Missouri state, Southwest Missouri back in the day. And they were the NAIA champions. And so what, two weeks after the championship games in college that year, the NCAA champion and the NAIA champion played each other. And it's the only time it's ever happened where those two have played after the season and what almost became a de facto, you know, universal championship game. It was big college, you know, small college. Uh, the little school getting their shots. Big school won. So. <laughs> but I've just always been fascinated by that because just uh, I think the time that it was in, um, when it was played, you know, the, the, the small school, big school. I grew up in Springfield, you know, where the team was. So that was, uh, you know, those guys. Were, and one of the guys on the team was my high school counselor. So I had a lot of connections to that. And I've always thought it would just be a tremendous story. And I I regret that I didn't push myself 20 years ago to try and dive into the story because it's something that I've looked into and researched and I've always wanted to do. So if I finally motivate myself to do all the homework on it, that would be one I would love to tell.
0: What is it like as a journalist, as a writer right now? I mean, considering what's going on with the coronavirus uh i know there's a lot going on with social injustice right now but but that hasn't necessarily impacted uh your job directly whereas this virus i mean you guys are interviewing coaches and players through zoom i mean you guys have zoom press conferences i guess that's the proper term for it um what is this whole what has this whole experience been like for the past three or four months for you as a as a writer
2: yeah. I mean, it's, it's a challenge and, you know, off season coverage is always a little bit different because you are kind of arm's length. Um, you know, you don't get a lot of hands-on activity really until you start to get any OTAs. I mean, and that's when you start to get the players back onto the field and, you know, they let the media come in and we were able to, to finally talk to some of the rookies face to face. You get to see at least a few of the veterans at the podium in, in person so, you know, offseason coverage has always been difficult. But, you know, in this era, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult because you have such limited time, you know, in these Zoom press conferences. Uh, I think the teams are doing a great job and the Chiefs, you know, have, have really tried to help out with as much access as they've could and have, have given us players available. Um, but you know, when you've got 10 to 15 minute interviews and you've got 30 people asking questions, not everybody's going to get to be able to ask their questions and, and ask follow-ups. So you don't get to, you know, dive very deep into a lot of subjects and you know, that's, that's the tough thing. And then, and, it, and to me, it's really worrisome for just, you know, going forward for sports journalism, because I, you know, I th- think that, you know, it could be a while before we're back in the locker rooms and able yeah. to talk to players in so many of the stories that that you read about about the nfl that you enjoy that are intriguing that tell you something about happening with about the teams and the players 95 percent of that comes in the locker room you don't hear the best stories you don't get the, the biggest information you don't get the inside stories you know at a podium and on a Zoom call, you get it from those one-on-one contacts, you know, when you get to go and talk to the players and you can, and everybody's there and you can, you know, reach out to them at all the time and have private conversations without the microphones because players are different in those settings. And I think any reporter will tell you that it, those environments are where the best nuggets come from, the best stories, the best information. And I don't think we're going to have that this year. So I think it's going to be really difficult from a standpoint of, learning about the players, learning about the teams, you know, getting the best information. And I worry about the future too, because I think that by and large, I think leagues and teams are going to say, you know what, we've got more control by doing these interviews over zoom. And, you know, it's, it might be one of the things that once uh, access to players goes away, it might not ever come back in the same form again. And I think that would be, you know, I think that would be hard because I think it would take away from, you know, some of the, the engagement that, fans get through the team through sports reporting.
0: That's interesting. I've never thought of that before, uh, but I I know exactly where you're talking about because, you know, when these play and I think, you know, so many people forget. uh, I mean, these players are human too when they're surrounded by, you know, all these, uh, cameras and microphones and then sometimes you, you got some uh, cameraman that turn on that little flashlight of theirs and so it's it's all bright in their face so uh, it, it's a lot easier we, you know if you're just talking to someone one-on-one or if it's just two or three reporters surrounding them it, it's certainly a lot easier i know exactly what you're talking about um you know you were talking a little bit you know what what could happen this year, man, the news has just been kind of crazy. And I know people have their thoughts and things get politicized so much with this virus and how it's going to impact everything. The NFL did announce Thursday morning that they canceled their uh, hall of fame game and uh, pushing back the, um, the hall of fame ceremony, the enshrinement ceremony. We're hearing a lot about college athletes testing positive major league baseball has a lot of iffy rules with no spitting, no high fives and all these kinds of things. Uh, and there's a concern going on in Florida right now. Is the NBA really going to be able to start and successfully finish this season of theirs? I've got to ask you, and I know this is a tough question, and we don't have all the answers, but if I could, you know, what do you make of, of this, and, and, and how optimistic are you that we not only start uh, an NFL season, uh, but we can actually see the end of it successfully?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll concede. I have probably been more, more pessimistic than most um, for a while now, about the prospects of a season and, and having a full season occur, um, you talk to people around the league, and the I mean, you know, perceptions are wide ranging. I mean, you've got some who will tell you that they feel like that, mm-hmm. yes, a a season can progress. That um, maybe there won't be fans, maybe there will, but they think they can get through a full season, a full postseason. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who don't think that there will be a season. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, it's nobody really knows at this point what's going to happen. My question is that I just don't know if the players collectively, the the people around them, coaches, equipment managers, all the people in and making the team, if, if the league itself has the stomach to do what they're going to have to do to pull off a season, which if you listen to the experts, it's, they're going to have to bring them in. They're going to have to test them they're going to have to put them in isolation for 14 days before they ever get on a field or, you know, get into a meeting room. You're just going to have to do that to try and keep any outbreaks from occurring. And then these guys are going to have to stand in this bubble for six months. And you know what? I can see there being some players who don't want to do that. I could see some coaches not wanting to do that. And you're asking a lot for people to put their lives on hold to do this. And And some of them don't make a whole lot of money. I mean, equipment guys and public relations people and, you know, the support staff that goes on the team, The people who are going to make their food. I mean, they're not making a whole ton of money. So asking them to be away from their families for six months, I think it's a big ask. And and then you come back to, you know, whether or not it's going to work or not. So, um, I mean, I've said all along that, you know, for a while now, I think that there's maybe 39 steps that the NFL is going to have to go through before we even get to September 10th in the opening of the season. And they're probably on step two right now. I mean, that's how much more work they've got to, uh, got to do.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned the support stuff because, yeah, I mean, we, we watch the players and, you know, we critique the coaches. We forget about everyone else. That's a big part of this. That, I mean, these guys are the ones that – I mean, they provide the legwork. Uh, they're the ones who make this happen. Um, yeah, it is just weird because uh, I, I, you still remember the night where um, – Rudy Gobert from the Jazz, mm. he tested positive. And then I'm, his name escapes my mind right now, Tom Hanks. Uh, yep. the, the, the news for those two came out on the same night, and that's when people took it seriously, and that's when the NBA said, okay, look, we're, we're, we're stopping everything. And, you know, my, my biggest fear is a lot of people are saying it's not going to go away, and, and you know what, they might be right, but as soon as, you know, once you have a big-name player during an NFL season that has this – I mean, that's when Roger Goodell's got to step in and say, okay, look, this is maybe the time to take it seriously. If we got a big profile player that just tested positive, we got to stop everything. And, you know, it's so weird because offensive and defensive linemen, I mean, they are neck and neck right there. And if you watch these cold-weather games, you can see their breath. As, yeah. I, I mean, right, right before the, the snap. Uh, it is just a weird thing. I, I don't even know just – I mean, if you're Roger Goodell, man, I mean – You've got a lot to figure out with this upcoming season.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and there's so many moving parts they've got to be able to figure out. I mean, you know, f- you know, for instance, today we heard the reports that um, the NFL approved a plan to cover up the seats and the uh, closest to the field for for sponsor logos. Oh yeah, but they haven't closed the door completely yet on there being fans in the stadium. And if that's the case, you know, we are going to probably be in a situation this fall, this winter, where there's going to be different rules from city to city and state to state about how many people or who can be in a stadium. You might have situations in some states where localities say, you can't have any fans at all. And then you've got some places where they may say, hey, maybe you can have 50% of the stadium full. Can the NFL do that? I mean, is it a level playing field? If you've got teams playing with different sets of rules, I mean, they've got to be able to decide if, you know, if they're going to do things consistently throughout the league, if there's going to be one rule that applies to everyone. And, and remember too, I mean, we talked about the people behind the scenes and I know, I think there's a perception for a lot of people that, Hey, athletes are young. You know, this is something that if you're young and healthy, it hasn't maybe affected you as much. The people can even be asymptomatic, but the bigger concern is, you know, the at risk population and, you know, the chiefs, when they go up to training camp in St. Joe, they take about 175 people and that doesn't, and for one, that doesn't even include the people who, do all the laundry for them and cook their meals. There's a lot of support staff that the, the university provides too, but it takes them about 175 people to run camp, including the players, coaches, support staff, and a lot of that support staff. I mean, look at the coaching staff. You've got guys who are, you know, 60 and above that are at, at risk population. You've got people who you know have health conditions that are at risk. I mean, that's the group that you got to worry about too. And yeah, I mean, If you're Roger Goodell, what do you do if a head coach gets sick, if an assistant coach gets sick and has severe symptoms? You know, is it going to take somebody dying before they take a drastic action? Or, you know, what are you doing? I mean, the NFL, I mean, they get to act last. So Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, NBA, I mean, um, all these other sports are going to be going before them. So they're going to be able to learn a little bit by what happens first but at the same time I mean there it's still there's still so much to navigate and we haven't even talked about and gotten into the fact that you know NFL is not this similar to Major League Baseball I mean the Players Association is going to have an have an input too and there's things that they're going to want they're going to have to negotiate as well. Do you know
0: yeah obviously you know all these um, NFL teams uh, I think they all made it official at least the Chiefs made it official this week but they did announce uh, a while ago that NFL teams have to be at their own facilities for training camp. The Chiefs obviously go to St. Joe. I think the Dallas Cowboys go to San Antonio, Texas for their training camp. Do you know yet how training camp is going to be in terms of where you'll be as a reporter? I, I mean, obviously at the training facility, but in terms of like you know how things are going to be structured,
2: do you know that yet? Honestly, we don't know. I mean, that's some, one of the things that they haven't outlined and figured out yet. Um, we, we have a reasonable expectation at this point that training camp from a, from an interview standpoint, I mean, it's going to be virtual. I mean, you know, we're not okay. going to be talking to players in person, you know, coaches in person. I mean, it's going to be on zoom video. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Whether or not, you know, media will be allowed in the practices to watch, um, whether there's even going to be, whether they'll be able to open up any of these practices for fans to watch, um, even though the chiefs will be doing it at their facility, they have in the past done fan events at facility for OTA practices where they've installed some temporary stands. Uh, We don't know if they're going to be allowed to do that, whether they want to do that. Uh, So yeah, there's there, no, there's still a lot of questions that even for training camps that they haven't figured out yet. The the other
0: thing I was curious about, I mean, obviously these players, sure. They're working out. A lot of them probably have home gyms, So they're able to get on the elliptical treadmill, lift some weights at home, whatnot. But you know, training camp is, I mean, it's pretty grueling. That's no secret. But considering these guys have not done any conditioning whatsoever, I mean, if you're going to do a training camp, you might need to start gradually light and then build your way up. And if, you're, if you want to do that and be prepared for the season, you might need to start early, maybe mid-July, which most teams start in late July. Have you ever thought of that uh, factor as well?
2: Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things, yeah, the NFL's given all indications that they're not going to move up training camp, that, you know, the July 28th start date is going to still be the date. Um, but I know that there's, there, like the Chiefs, for instance, uh, I've been told that, hey, they would love to be able to do a, basically a rookie mini camp, similar to what they would normally do in May, which is, you know, have their own rookies in, but then also have tryouts for, you know, maybe 50 or 60 rookies that are, you know, free agents And in addition to the three day like rookie mini camp that they normally do every year, um, because they they want to be able to get, you know, as much observation of players as they possibly can and evaluation. And then yeah, I mean, we we're talking about the fact that there's a lot of people, experts who are saying if you're gonna bring the players in, you need to test them and then isolate them for 14 days before you even get them together, start doing group work and and training on the field. And if that's the case, and, and like you said, yeah, you need to have some time to give these guys a chance. You can't maybe rush them in the preseason games as quickly as you normally would. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that, you know, it's been sounding more and more quick, more and more like we're going to lose preseason games because they want to be able to have the players have a little bit more time getting ready before they put them in at full speed in game action. And we may, it would not surprise me if they do cut it down, the preseason down to two games and just give everybody, you know, one home and one away to, you know, kind of test things out. Um, but give them more training time because you're right. I mean, it's go back to 2011 when there wasn't a off season program due to the lockout yeah. and you did see a rise in injuries. And I think that's something that they want to guard against.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, that's a good point with with the uh, lockout. I mean, the injuries in addition to this virus, which you know, hopefully won't be the case, but, you know, you have to keep it in the back of your mind. This could be still spreading out there. So, yeah, that is a, a good point there. Uh, I know a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, not as positive. But I want to talk about something I think is interesting. And it's your job as a writer. The last time I did talk to you, it was uh, just a couple of days away from the draft. And that was a really crazy time because I, I know, I know uh, the, the whole Tyree kill thing was going on. And then the audio came out right before the draft um that must have been an insane weekend for you and that was also the same weekend where uh the Avengers movie came out and I know you're a big uh uh Marvel nerd uh, Star Wars nerd like I am Uh, (laughs) yes I've got to ask man uh because I've done beat writing before but obviously not at the professional level like you I did it when I was a student at KU I was the beat writer for the student newspaper there so I, I I kind of have an understanding about what it's like to go through that kind of a thing, but. Uh, talk to me about you know, life as a sports writer because uh, I remember um, talking to uh, Charles Goldman. I don't know if you know who he is. He's yeah. with um, the Chiefs Wire. And he told me he was at uh, Captain Marvel when the Justin Houston release happened and he was texting oh, another no. writer. <laughs> he was texting another writer uh, while you know, he's trying to watch this movie. And you obviously, you know, being a big Marvel fan, you have to cover this draft in this Tyree Kill craziness and you're on Twitter doing your job while trying to avoid these spoilers. Can you just talk about it? And I'm just using that as, as an example, but talk about what it's like. How often do you get downtime to, you know, go out, you know, with your family or, or just have, you know, you to Matt Derek time?
2: Yeah, yeah. This, is gonna, this sounds like champagne problems because people say, oh, you guys have the greatest job in the world to be able to watch sports and get paid for it. Uh, yeah, there's there's good moments to it, but at the same time, yeah, going to a movie is like the most stressful thing that you can possibly do as a sports writer because oh man, you just you just always have that gut feeling that something's going to happen while you're while you're there, and you know two and a half hours, yeah, that's that's rough. Uh, I remember that's happened to me. I mean, it wasn't a big one. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was uh, the 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 Chiefs released somebody in the middle of when I was watching a movie. And I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to watch the movie. It's not big enough for me to leave. So I'm just <laughs> going to, I'm going I'm going to go through it. Uh, but yeah. You know, I mean, and you know, the travel can sometimes be, you know, difficult and, uh, everything. So, you know, being away from the family and you know, and and there for a while I was, you know, caring for my mom. And, you know, she was not in the best of condition and she was living with me. So that put a lot of strain on, you know, my wife, you know, to take up a, pick a take up some responsibilities for me when I had to be away, you know, covering the team and everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean and it's a very irregular schedule. I mean the NFL at least you're somewhat fortunate that, you know, you know when the games are they're once a week and the rest of the schedule is pretty well locked in. But you know, I mean, still, it means a lot of nights, you know, away from home. It it means that there's some long days. Um, you know, hey, yeah, you get to watch a game on Sundays. But I tell you what, I'm at Arrowhead Stadium usually for, you know, a noon game at 830 in the morning. And I'm usually there till at least seven o'clock at night. And when I go home, finish, go back home, I'm still riding. Um, so yeah, those are long days. So it's not just getting to watch the game and everything. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes on to it. It's fun. I mean, we wouldn't do it if we didn't enjoy it and everything, yeah. but you're absolutely right. I mean, there's things that, it, you know, you got to plan around, uh, you know, you got to plan vacations around OTAs and mm. <laughs> what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, and sometimes there's surprises. So, you know, you got to juggle things and everything, but, um, yeah i mean it's 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 tough i mean and you know you don't get a lot of you know free weekends anything like that so and yeah it's i guess that it's a it's a lot of fun but you're right i mean there's there's stressful moments and and there's things that you can't you have to give up on and yeah i've i've had to miss a few you know movies or wait for a few days to see them (laughs) that's that's tough for a guy like me so did you did you avoid
0: spoilers for the avengers
2: I did. I did pretty well with that. You know, I, I remember also, gosh, I'm trying to remember which time the timing of it was, I guess it would have been force awake. No, it was the second star Wars movie that came out uh, last Jedi. Um, I was talking to Chris Conley about it just before it hit theaters and, uh, I guess it was the day that it came out because I was like telling him I was going to go see it that night after, after we were talking and everything. And he's like, okay, well, I won't tell you what happened because I got to see it premiere a few a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I appreciate you not spoiling it for me, Chris. Thank you.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I've heard a lot of good stories about Chris Conley. Uh, I know he's missed a lot in Kansas City. Um, I I mean, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I mean, this is kind of an interesting discussion because, yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, oh, I I know what I was going to say. I mentioned I went to KU, and I remember Bob Fesco of 610 Sports Radio came to him and Frank Bull and uh, someone from the Kansas City, Star Blair Karkoff, all three of them were talking to our sports media class, and I remember Fesco mentioned um the morning when the Javon Belcher incident happened I, you know it was a saturday morning and there Damn. is no programming on on 610 uh they're just waiting for KU football so at the time they were carrying KU football games now it's at 810 but uh Fesco mentioned, he said look i mean he just started texting everyone and said hey let's let's get together let's send a crew out there and i think one per, i want to say it was Danny Parkins when he was still with the station at the time before he moved to chicago back home, to his hometown I think he had, like, some big family commitment going on that morning. I could have the story wrong. Don't quote me on it. But he actually – he or somebody left in the middle of that, you know, family event, and it's like, you know, you got to do your duty as a sports media Is that ever frustrating for you, or do you know any people in sports media that it takes, like, an emotional toll on them when they have to, in the middle of a family function, step out because there's breaking news going on?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's absolutely, I mean, that's part of, you know, journalism. I mean, you just know that there's going to be some of these times and, you know, and yeah, covering, covering emotional stories as, as, as it is, is, is tough. Um, You know, and and, and the chiefs have had, unfortunately a few of those and everything. I remember um, a group, an example of exactly what kind of what you're talking about. And then I won't pull anybody else under the bus with me, but, uh, we, we actually had, we're having a kind of a chiefs beat writer gathering and beat reporter gathering one night on a Thursday night. And so there were probably six or seven of us that, you know, kind of got together and then, you know, one thing led to another. We were like, Oh, we don't want to go home. You know, we keep hanging out. We're having a good time. You know, we're just talking and everything. And it's like, Oh, you know, tomorrow's just Friday. It's a fast Friday. Don't have to be there till 11. So we can stay a little bit later. We were even joking about, you know, maybe just, you know, volunteering one of us to, to go in and cover it and give all the information to everybody else <laughs> and everything. So we were like, and finally, you know, we got, uh, I think some people stayed out to like four. I didn't make it that long, but we were out kind of late. And uh, yeah, the next day, go to the, go to the locker room access, finish that up, go back to the workroom. And we're just all just talking about how tired we are. And, you know, we're hungry, you know, everything. We're just like, oh, can't wait to go home and get some rest. And no more than five minutes after we got back into the media workroom, um, we learned about the Kareem Hunt video that TMZ had. Oh, wow. And so that just, yeah, we were there, you know, most of us were still there at eight o'clock that night. So, yeah, by the end of that day, I was tired. I was exhausted. I was kicking myself in the butt for staying out late the night before, because that took a lot out of all of us.
0: That was a really insane night. Uh, I mean, it felt like you were just getting updates by the hour during the evening. You know, the, the NFL, uh, I, I can't remember the exact term. Um, they didn't suspend him necessarily, but what is that uh, term? They, they hit him with something. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: With the, the Chiefs or the league or... No,
0: the the league before he got released, yeah. the league said that they put him on like some put list. Him, yeah,
2: they put him on the um, uh, the the exempt. Uh, ex,
0: uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The commissioner. Now you got him, I, I can't
2: even remember what it's called. <laughs> no, no,
0: I remember <laughs> not. the commissioner's is list. Exempt <laughs> <and>, Thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm listening to all these, you know, local radio. I know 610 usually cuts off their local programming by 9 p.m., but they they went into overtime, and I'm listening to, you know, national radio to hear what's going on and uh what 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 do you recall from i mean i know you kind of alluded to uh, that day but that had to be one of the crazier days you know covering the sport
2: yeah and and, you know and that one was somewhat unique and you know and the, the tyreek hill situation on draft night was unique as well because a lot of times when there's breaking news of that extent um, we're usually not with the team. You know, a lot of these things happen in, in, at different times. And you're, if you're working from home, then, you know, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, getting on the phone and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, we, you know, when we were at the facility on both of those and all in the workroom, and so, yeah, the information comes kind of comes at you in different ways and you're, you're able to kind of reach people in a different way. But it's the same thing. I mean, you're still, you're consistently just trying to, you know, get on the phone with people to find out what's going on and in a story like the, with Kareem Hunt, you're right. I mean, it was changing minute by minute and hour by hour, as far as information that was coming in and what was happening and what the chiefs were doing, what the league was doing. And yeah, you're just trying to reach out to all your sources and, and get new information and find out what's happening. And it's, it's, it's hectic. And especially in a situation like that, because it's an emotional one and it's something that nobody wants to deal with. It's, it's tough and nobody wants to report on it. Nobody wants to write on it. Um, We, we have to, because it's news and it's things that people need to know. Um, But you know, it's, it's that, those are the days that, yeah, nobody, nobody's excited about their jobs on, on days like those. That's interesting. Well, I appreciate you opening up about that kind of thing because I think as, you know, we
0: mentioned, you know, the support staff for the Chiefs. We don't really think about those guys as often, but I I don't think we think about what you guys do as, as reporters. I mean, you guys really do. I mean, how many people would honestly have known that you get to Arrowhead at 8.30 and you stay until, what, six or seven for a noon kickoff game? I mean, you guys do really put in a lot of hours. You know what's funny is there are always people who think they can do your job better, I guarantee you there are people who think that all you do is, you know, you just watch the game and you write about it. Well there's a lot more <laughs> a lot more that goes behind it. So, I, I you know, I I'm glad you you brought brought up some of the stuff cuz I don't think a lot of people are aware of that and I really hope some people do take that away cuz like I said I've been in media before so I can understand some of the behind the scenes stuff but yeah, I've also learned a lot of new things from you. So, I appreciate you opening up about that kind of thing cuz I know a lot of media people don't like to get into that kind of thing and I think that's something that as fans we should know, you know, w- when we get our information from you guys, uh that is definitely uh a lot of work that's being put in there. It's not just tweeting or writing about it. So I got to ask you this last question before we l- let you loose here on this podcast uh, for anyone that wants to get into sports journalism, whether it's, you know, writing, I know you can m- mostly speak about writing, but if someone wants to do radio, TV, blogging, uh, any kind of sports media, you know, what's your biggest advice for them?
2: Well, first and foremost, I mean, anybody who wants to do that, I tell people is Right. Whatever you want to do, I've worked in TV, I've worked in radio, I've worked in in obviously newspapers, websites now. Um, You can't do any of them without writing. So to me, that's the first and foremost thing you do. If you write on your own, uh, if you create your own blog, do what you need to do, but write. That's that's the number one muscle. That's the number one skill that you've got to have. I think there's a lot of different, you know, other prerequisites that can go into it. Um, you know, I, Hey, when I was a kid, you know, in high school and college, I worked in retail. I think that's did a lot because I think that's the kind of thing that teaches the interpersonal skills about talking to people and being able to just create conversations. I mean, things like that, that can help push you in, in that kind of direction and give you that kind of skill. I think that's good to have, um, to get into the, you know, the job itself. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I remember, uh, my college counselor, at the journalism school of Missouri, when I sat down with him for the first time, and he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, Hey, I want to go into sports. He's like, all right, I'm going to spend the next half hour telling me telling you why you don't want to go into sports. It's tough. I mean, it's hard, because a lot of people want to do it. And there's not a lot of opportunities. And then they're shrinking minute by minute. And and I don't want to, you know, there's there will be a lot of people who will tell you out there, don't work for free. And you know what? That's actually solid advice because if you do work for free, some people will take advantage of that. Yep. But at the same time, um, you, a lot of times you can't get the experience without doing that, without covering high school football. High school football doesn't pay. You know? So if, if, you're gonna, if you want to get started, I mean, high school sports is a great way to start. And there's no money in high school sports, so you know you're going to have to just you know deal with the fact that whether it's an internship or you're you're writing part time and you're doing things for little or no pay, in sports that's kind of paying your dues. I mean you've got to do that. There's uh, other other careers, you don't have to do that because there's so many jobs and. And, you know, in a, lot of pl- a lot of places demand outstrips supply. In this case, it's the other way around. I mean, there's so many people that if you want to kind of get your foot in the door, that might be what you have to do. Um, especially if you don't have, uh, you know, a- an educational background in journalism or anything that's gotten you started in your career. If you're, you know, at a point where you're trying to make a change and you want to get into it. Yeah, you're going to have to do some things that you may not want to do. And that is exactly that, you know, I've, I've, i been fortunate when I was starting out, I, I worked for free. I, I did a lot of things uh, for little or no money, but you know, you get great experience from it and anything that gives you experience will help out. But I still, everything I take back to is writing. If you, if you can't do that, you can't work in TV. You can't do in radio because you're going to have to do that eventually.
0: I can back you up on the high school part because when I was a uh, uh, student at KU, I would go Friday nights, uh, during the uh, winter, uh, to go to Bonner Springs High School to announce basketball games for uh, A10 Varsity, which is their high school circuit, and I made uh, twenty-five bucks a game and it's it's pretty a lot good of hours,
2: yeah, it's pretty good actually.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I don't, I know uh, a lot. Some people don't make as much, but still putting in a lot of hours. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, well, hey Matt, uh, congratulations with everything you've done. I know uh, covering a Super Bowl is, it, it, I mean, that's such a big deal for you and. The books you've come out with and uh, at the front of every darn grocery store, you've got the name Matt <laughs> Derrick right there. Uh, you, you've done so much great work and people love your stuff on social media and on your website, ChiefsDigest.com. Uh, again, uh, if you guys haven't, get it at last. Matt, I appreciate you coming on here and I'm sure we'll uh, connect again down the road.
2: Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words and as always, thanks for the support and good luck with the new podcast, man. I right, appreciate it, Matt. Take care.
0: All right, big thanks to Morgan Ganim and Matt Derrick being the first two guests of Cast. Uh Both are really great people, really nice people. Uh, I've always enjoyed talking to both of them. Uh, obviously, you know, they're both, uh, I kind of mentioned, you know, before I brought those two guys on, I mentioned, you know, this is going to be a much different podcast. You're going to hear, uh, you know, different stories uh, of what they do and kind of the behind the scenes of what they do, how they do it. And that's the kind of thing I want to bring out on this podcast. And and not just having, we'll have discussions of all all kinds of things. Uh, But hopefully you guys kind of got a taste of what this podcast uh, is like, what it'll be for the other episodes. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. I really had a fun time talking to those guys. Like I said, both really good guys. Uh, Check out their work on social media. Uh, Matt Derrick on Twitter, at Matt Derrick and Morgan Ganim. Uh, he is at Morgan Gano on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on his website, MorganGannon.com. Now, it does a really great job with his, with his music as well. That's one of the things I was inter- interested about with him is musicians. I, I mean, there are so many musicians out there. If you just go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is you listen to. I know iTunes is the biggest one or Apple Music, whatever you want to call it now. Uh, if you go there, I mean, there are millions maybe even billions of songs on there now a lot of them are covers of songs but I mean if you really do just dig deep you will find music from musicians you have never heard of and honestly a lot of that is better than a lot of the popular music you hear today in my opinion um Yeah, I try to be open-minded with music because I know, I mentioned I was the DJ for the Royals and people have all kinds of opinions what you play, you know, in front of thousands of people. Uh, You you can't make, you know, the entire crowd happy. But, uh, you know, I I think if people do have an open mind with music and if you do listen to some of these uh, regional musicians that do have their songs published out there, they honestly do a much better job with their music than a lot of other people do. And in a way, I kind of think it's wrong that they don't have the popularity that some of these bad musicians do, unfortunately. So definitely do take the time the time to look up some of these alternative music, I guess is the category it kind of falls under, because there really is a lot of great music. When I was the um, sports director for, this, for the student uh, radio station at KU, that radio station was not, you know, a station that plays top 40 music. It's, uh, they prided them, themselves on being the sound alternative. KJHK is the name of the station. And I remember, uh, you know, I listened to it sometimes when I was in the, uh, in the studios or if I'm just in my car, I'll, I'll turn on KJHK and a lot of the music you do hear, it's music you've never heard before, but it's honestly really good music too. Uh, And in my opinion, much better than a lot of the top 40 you hear nowadays. And and of course, with Matt Derrick, you know, I think it's so interesting because as I mentioned, I've done some media work before in radio and in uh, in writing as well. Not as much with TV, but I do have some familiarity with that as well. Yeah, I remember before I was able to get, you know, all these, you know, locker room press conference access, I mean, press credentials, essentially, for these sporting events, I've always wondered, you know, what is it like, what does the media do before these press conferences, after, and all the machinations behind that, and I remember just being so intrigued by some of that, and, you know, eventually, when you do it so many times, it gets old, it's not really a big deal anymore, but... When you're a first timer, it is kind of cool just to see, oh, well, this is, you know, the hallway through all the facilities that lead to the press conference, you where that lead to the practice fields where, you know, the, the football players are practicing and whatnot. So it is kind of cool just to be able to experience that kind of a thing. And I just think it's so interesting. You know, Matt mentioned, you know, he gets to air for a noon kickoff game. He gets to Arrowhead at 830 and doesn't leave until, what, 6, 637 maybe some days uh, what about a Sunday night football game? I, you know, looking back, I, I, I wish I had asked him that. I mean, when the hell do you get home for a, for a Monday or Sunday night game or a Thursday night game? Uh, probably spending your entire night there. But uh, it, it, it is kind of a fun industry. And, you know, you, I, we kind of mentioned, you know, what if you're trying to live life? You're, you know taking your wife or your girlfriend out to dinner or you're out with uh, friends at, at a movie in news breaks. Like, what the hell do you do, you do then? Um, so it is kind of interesting to uh, talk about that with Matt as well. Really nice guy. He does a really fantastic job covering the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was uh, the first set of guests we had here on ForestCast. One thing I want to talk about before I, uh, I sign off. Uh, today, Sunday the 28th of June, 27 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I know on my pinned tweet on Twitter it says 28 years, and that is incorrect. But 27 years ago today is when my parents and I came to the United States, and more specifically in Kansas City. Uh, And I posted this online, both on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a chance, go check it out. Uh, It's the first home we lived in when we first came to the United States. And it's not the safest area. It's not the, you know, prettiest place to live. Um but you know, uh 27 years, man. Uh I've got to say I'm pretty fortunate to to be here. Very thankful to be here and very thankful that my parents made the choice to want to come here because you look at what what goes on in a lot of other countries and you know what kind of education system they have the freedoms that they have or don't have even uh the opportunities the limited opportunities in other countries whereas you know here in the United States the opportunities are boundless and there is uh, a lot of good opportunities for a good education i'll give you an example you know if you want to become a doctor in iran which is where i was born there are not a lot of good universities. There might be just one or two good universities that you can really go to to get a good education and be successful at being a doctor or if you want to be an accountant, you know. There are very limited good schools out there that you could go and study at. So that's not the case here in the United States. So education is different and sure you know, I, I know people will, will say, you know, there is some sort of a flaw in education, and I certainly won't refute that. It's certainly hard to debunk. But uh, even then, you know, the United States is still better in that area. The opportunities here are still better, really better than anywhere else. Uh, I know I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast with what's going on with the virus and, and the racism, social injustice, police brutality, and, um, You know, there are a lot of issues. Even before then, there have been a lot of issues. I think we do a terrible job of handling that stuff now. And like I said, it'd be better if we put the same amount of effort into seeking solutions uh, than we do uh, debating these topics. But I will say this at the end of the day. Man, I'll tell you what. A hundred times out of a hundred, you tell me where I'd rather live. It'd be in the United States of America, baby. Because you want to say America's... On tough times right now? Sure. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, but would I want to pack my bags and go elsewhere? No, not a chance. And I don't mean to refute any. I mean, there are a lot of great places to live in the world, certainly. But I think with uh the opportunities and the education, I'm thankful, you know, my parents uh, moved here when I was two years old. And eventually my brother, uh, he was born after me. Uh, I want to say he was born about five years after we had moved to the United States. Yeah, five years after. And, you know, he and I are are very thankful that we got to grow up and have an education in uh, a much better environment and have a better education, too. And, you know, had I had my parents not made the decision to move, I don't know if I would have been able to say that uh, living at 29 years. So that's definitely one thing. You know, I I see a lot of people complaining about the country and and I think the, the complaints are valid. But. Uh, I I see some people saying, you know, this is not the best place anymore. And look, even with all the political mayhem that we have going on right now, with all the craziness we have, you know, I trust me, you do not want to be anywhere else right now. I still want to be here. And I think that's one thing. If you want to take one thing away from this podcast, it's the fact that, yeah, sure, maybe there are issues here, but there are, in my opinion, far worse issues elsewhere. And I think just even being here, Again, not perfect, a lot of room to grow, but still, uh, I think it's much more suitable and much better than anywhere else. I'll sign off on that. That is the first episode of Farcecast. Again, a big thank you to Morgan Genum and Matt Derrick for joining me. A big thanks to you guys for listening to this podcast. Uh, like I said, we don't have like a consistent time when we'll be doing this podcast. Not sure. My, my goal is, you know, every other week, once or twice a month, we'll do a podcast, hopefully twice a month. That is my uh, my goal specifically. But uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I don't know who the guests will be. Uh, I'll definitely reach out to a few people, see who wants to come on and who's able to uh, make time for uh, for the podcast. But done lots. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I appreciate you guys downloading and listening. Until then, stay safe. Be kind to one another. Talk to you then.